1: This edition of the Hagman Report. It is Tuesday, December fifth, twenty fifteen or twenty seventeen. I want to go back in time. Can we do that? Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Got a great show along up for you tonight, of course. Hour three, Standeo, hour two, a debut guest, Jack Morpheus, in the first hour news information analysis. Things that you need to know, I think, things that are very important, of course, Joe. Uh, Joe and I were on a, uh, on, uh, the Kate Daly Show, a Fox syndicated radio program today from 3 to 4. If you have a chance, uh, follow Kate Daly. That's on Twitter. That's uh, her name, Kate Daly. And, uh, Kate on the Blaze, I believe it is, is her Twitter handle. Follow her and, uh, just kind of tell her how much you appreciate her. I mean, she is a strong, independent, conservative female voice. Out there speaking the truth. Her program is extremely, um it's, it's critical, I believe. She, she interviewed Sibel Edmonds yesterday. Uh, we have to get Sibel on, on, on the program. Uh, just a tremendous, uh, truth teller Kate Daly is, but follow her on Twitter and see, even, even send a note saying, uh, thanking her for her stance, Christian conservative stance. We need more women like that. Judicial Watch, new Justice records, uh, Justice Department records show strong support by Mueller Deputy Andrew Weissman, other top DOJ officials for Yates' refusal to enforce President Trump travel ban. That Judicial Watch has been doing a lot of late. I don't know how many people follow Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, Chris Farrell, their investigative division. Just a tremendous organization exposing a lot of the rock, the the corruption within the Department of Justice, within the FBI. Um, great supporters of, of judicial watch, but they've been doing a great job there. Also, just a couple of headlines. Judge Rory Moore, George Soros is going to hell. <laughs> I don't know if that's a headline or just a uh, kind of a foreground conclusion. Uh, of course, who am I to say? Uh, the establishment, Rhino, Jeff Flake, rights check to pro-abortion, pro-amnesty for left Democrat Doug Jones. Planned Butcherhood supports anti-life Democrat Doug Jones. This against Judge Roy Moore. Jay Sekulow reports that Mueller subpoenaing Trump financial records from Deutsche Bank Bank are fake news. is Kennedy's enforced homosexual cake case. State of Colorado has been neither tolerant nor respectful of Christian Baker's religious beliefs, and the, there's a war against Christians and a war against conservatives. So welcome to the program tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Joe, get down and dirty with some of these headlines. By the way, um Joe, I th- I, it's my understanding your show today, you had a technical glitch, it didn't go off at noon as you had planned. Yeah,
2: hey, uh, I don't know what happened. We, uh, everything was set up properly. We- Thank you, Eric. I got my headphones in, so I didn't know. Everything was... uh it got kind of screwed up. Everything was planned to go live at 12 o'clock. We created the episode and uh, jumped on there, and I was talking with John through the BTR interface, and as soon as we went live airtime, that's when John's feet cut off. He couldn't hear or communicate to me. So we had to scrap the live show for today, but we went ahead and did our show as normal, and we're going to try it again tomorrow. Now All right. With that said, to the news. Oh,
1: wait, wait. I, I want to just mention something as well. My uh, live feed was off a little bit, and it's been off for the last couple of weeks. I hope to rectify that by, by tomorrow. I'll just—I'm um, not, just, not going to get into the, the particulars, except to say, just hang with me. Uh, you can—you can catch the archive. In other words, tune in, and if it's—if it doesn't show up on your live feed for fifteen, twenty minutes, just—just just hang there. Um, it, it'll show up. It's, there's a delay, but I think I've got it rectified. So, uh, back on target. Go ahead, sir.
2: Okay, so, uh, in the news, there's a lot going on with Robert Mueller today. It was reported earlier in the day that Robert Mueller was going to subpoena or had subpoenaed Trump's Deutsche Bank records, and that is being called into question now as White House says no bankers, bank records have been subpoenaed. The, uh, story came out earlier today from Reuters and others where officials close to the investigation said that they were, um, going to get the bank records, but now Trump's lawyers and others are denying that the subpoena for the bank records even exists. So, uh, and and if it did, uh, we talked about this earlier on the Kate Daly show, uh, and on our shows respect uh, separately, that, you know, isn't this be well beyond the scope of what Robert Mueller of was course. there to investigate? He is supposed to, I mean, he has a very direct mandate. He he has a, a an objective, but now if he is going after these bank records, it is well outside of what he uh, intentionally or initially has been looking for. And even the Wall Street Journal today has published an article about Mueller's credibility problem. Now, I have not read the article, but the Wall Street Journal, as well as the New York Times and Washington Post, have been some of the biggest cheerleaders of Robert Mueller and his investigations. So, it'll be interesting to see what this article says. But I believe it deals with the conflicts of interest that Mueller has, being such uh, close friends with the Clintons and with Comey, and who he has surrounded himself with. And did you see the cost of the investigation? Seven, so uh, seven million. I would have done it for six plus three point five million dollars. And there's yep. an interesting story on the Washington Free Beacon that says Mueller spends in four months what Benghazi investigation cost in a two-year time period. That should tell you a lot also about, um, you know, Robert Mueller. And uh, between his credibility, the conflict of interest, and the money that's being wasted, and the lack of evidence or results, I think that, uh, I mean, this needs to be shut down. This needed to be shut down a long time ago. This is a witch hunt. that should never are, start it. This is a, a organization gone rogue, full of corruption, and it needs to be stopped. It needs to be shut down immediately. Well, we'll look... Why the absence of our
1: Justice Department? Why the absence of Jeff Sessions? Uh, and I'm, I'm going to, again, re- repetition, I believe, is necessary in this case. The objective for Robert Mueller, his objective and sole objective, is to take down the president and the presidency of this country, create a constitutional crisis, and uh, step in, have the globalists step in to, pick up the pieces from a co- post-constitutional republic that he is going to create. To what end though?
2: I mean it's it, what do you mean let's one just, end? let's let's play this out. So Donald Trump all gets right. indicted and he's, No, he,
1: he won't get Okay, in, first of, all resigns, Stop the language. Out. Okay, whatever. Okay.
2: What what they're going for here? Under no circumstances and not under any circumstances, in a million years or a million different things could happen a million ways, will Hillary Clinton ever be president it, it but it doesn 't matter. This is a dose of payback, among other things,
1: this is payback. Think of it that way first of all the the globalists did not believe they, they thought they had hillary 's coronation in the bank right Are, do you agree with me on that right. yeah. Right. yeah the media so did so did the media and, and by the way, a lot of masks came off. Of the so-called alternative or independent media, the young Turks, I mean, for just off the top of my head, uh, how they reacted. Not that they were ever not progressive, but that aside. Um, and many bloggers too, which, which surprised me. If you go back in time and you look at some of the bloggers, uh, some of the so-called independent Christian bloggers, boy, you talk about mass being ripped off of, of, of those really two-faced uh, the spineless, gutless bloggers. But having said that, for, just, just push that aside for a moment. Here's what I believe the the endgame objective is. Mueller was tasked with, and, and, but, but before you know that, think of the intricacies, how this intricately played or was put together with, with Mueller or with Comey releasing that document and, and then, of course, being fired but, uh, releasing the document to the, um, to the media. And of course that created that necessity, I guess, of bringing Mueller as a special counsel, of avoiding Mueller as special counsel, and how Rosenstein was kind of, uh, exploited the situation and appointed, um, Mueller as special counsel. But, but, but think about how all of these pieces fit together. But the ultimate objective here is to take, take down Donald Trump. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Hillary Clinton will never be the president. She, she,
2: she I, I don't know. Do you, do you think she'll run in 2020? Mm. Do you think she'll run? Oh, I hope so for, for uh, you know, whoever about runs Biden. against her sake. Do you think Biden will run? No. He's too old. Okay. He's
1: too old. All right. Well, the, the bottom line, and I, and I think this is where we're headed. We are headed, um, unless, uh, and again, unless there's divine intervention or unless Donald Trump is able to get the department of justice to do its job, we are headed for an impeachment. And of course, just completely the marginal, the complete marginalization of our executive branch of government. And to the point where Donald Trump will not be able to do any confidence, um, and the erosion of confidence by the American public, whether it is fake news. But that's the objective, I think, here. Now, failing that, I, I, I see a Kennedy-Dallas-Dealey Plaza moment here. Failing that. I'm not wishing that. I pray against it, obviously. I can see, or or some sort of, you know, effect like that. Concurrent with this, I also believe that there is going to be a calling of the media. I'm talking about the alternative media, the uh, honest media. I think that Christians and conservatives are in the crosshairs, have been, and will continue to be. Especially if you have a situation where Donald Trump is is impeached and discredited in the eyes of the. The world, or in the eyes of Americans, not the world. I mean, you, you see where um, there, his respect, he's being, he's very much respected across the world. But having said all of that, they want to bring us to to the brink, I think, of both a civil war, a war inside this country, make us uh, vulnerable to to external influence as well. Uh, the, I, I believe that they have their eyes and crosshairs on Pence secondarily. Um, if, if not both, Donald Trump and Michael Pence. I think it's just Donald Trump, but the end result, I think, will be the constitutional crisis that will evolve, whether it be a combination of events or just a singular event. But the,
2: the constitutional crisis that will evolve from this action. Well, what do you what do you see, what I see moving forward? I mean, what what are they going to try to launch an obstruction charge against Trump? I mean. I, we all know that that's ludicrous and and yeah there's clearly you know defined laws that define exactly what obstruction of justice is, and none of that is uh close to anything trump has done even the the uh Democrat Dershowitz has been all over the media from Laura Ingram to just about every news network and show talking about how this is not obstruction of justice
1: well, i don't can, I mean, the question is- can they even Bring obstruction charges against the sitting president. Right. Constitutionally. I I don't know, but it will be, it will be an obstruction or some type of interference. Will it be related to the, to the 2016 election? I don't think so. But perhaps somehow it can be manipulated to reflect that or to appear as such. But, but regardless, I think they're, they're going to catch or they're going to go after the low-hanging fruit, squeeze them as we're seeing it happen right now, in order to go to get to Trump. Now, the only problem I see with this, and I spoke about this in the morning show, is you don't take your chief witness or one of the chief witnesses, being Michael Flynn, and charge him with right. lying, ruining because, his credibility. Exactly. So, what's going on there? But I, but I also see a wider net for uh, people like Jared Kushner and even Roger Stone. Who I I believe in and I like and I and I, I I say that you know he's getting an unfair raw deal in this, but I do believe that he was on the inside circles. Uh, but but all of the people on the inner circle of Donald Trump's both campaign and and uh, uh, administration, I think are targets. I, I to to be honest, I I don't know what the and result charges will be, I think we're in uncharted water here. And I, we to, are. to compare this to Watergate, for example, uh, some, some say, well, Michael Flynn is Donald Trump's John Dean. Ah, no. Um, or, or there, there are other comparisons, but I think doing so, I, I think it's just, is, is, is crazy. Bottom line though, I, I do believe that the target is. Is our constitutional republic, and we, we will be living in a post-constitutional republic. This is what the, the endgame objective here is: the communist utopia. Of course, it doesn't exist, but but that's that's the objective. And by the way, Peter Barry Chauka has written a tremendous article on Hagman Report. I want to get into that. I just want to yeah. to throw that out there. We can get into that later. But, Exclusive: Impeaching Nixon versus taking down Donald Trump it, is exactly. article. And, and in, folks, please read that. You've got to understand, I mean, Peter Barry Chalka has done a great job in that article. I, I long, I strive to be able to write like him. Honest to goodness, do his research. He is so precise in his, in, in, I can't sing his praises enough, but go to HagmanReport.com, Peter Berry Chaka's latest, and send that to all your friends, family. And, and have them read it it's just tremendous but but anyway, so yeah, the, the comparisons are not there in the larger sense, uh, but Peter Berichak can go into the particulars
2: uh in that article go well ahead. it's uh it's very interesting on to some other news, it looks like tomorrow that Donald Trump is going to be naming Jerusalem, right the capital of Israel, which is uh, big news and uh, some are, are opposed to this Dianne Feinstein urges Trump not to move U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem Despite voting to move the Embassy to Jerusalem But it is uh, a, a very big deal And when we get Stan Dale on We're going to talk to him about this Because this is something that we've been talking about With him for a while uh, Since Trump took office And it, is this a, a prophetic move Is this? Uh, it's obviously an historic move And part of that is moving the Embassy From Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and many uh, opponents say that this is hurting a chance of a two-state solution but it looks like Trump is going to keep to his word this is something that he promised on the campaign trail Uh, real quick well, oh, wait, wait, before you move on to a different topic, I want to mention on
1: InfoWars, um, in light of Robert Mueller's recent move against General Flynn, Alex Jones issues a warning to President uh, to President Trump that he's the next target for deep state uh for the deep state and his removal would end with civil war. And I just saw this, in fact, it was just sent to me. Um, uh, I didn't see that earlier, but I, I just when was that? Was that today? That he Published that? No, it's December first. So I don't know how I missed that, but that just kind of bolsters what I've been saying, as well as even even Rush Limbaugh has been saying this, or somewhat uh, close to what
2: what I'm saying. Go ahead, Joe. Um, Yeah, real quick. Last night we, uh, when I was monitoring the news, maybe about midnight, we I started getting reports in of wildfires in California. And that there were about a thousand acres and within an hour, it spread to about 15 to 20,000 acres. Now we see on, on Drudge, the fires are still ongoing, but there's an interesting part of this. There are two fires and one of them is in Ventura County, uh, where it's now destroyed over 50,000 acres and, uh, 27,000 people have had to flee, but there is a separate fire in Los Angeles County in is actually closing down the I-5, which is, uh, one of the most, more populated areas of Southern California. So keep your eye on that as it's only 5% contained. And this is, uh, what's strange about these wildfires is they are around very populated areas. And every year California burns over a million acres have burned this year. But these latest two fires are very close to very dense populated area, areas. Um, This news just came across our desks A few moments ago There has been a plot Unfoiled That was an Islamic extremist Attempt To kill The UK Prime Minister Theresa May And this um, Apparently was an investigation That's been ongoing for weeks Islamist suicide plot to assassinate Prime Minister Theresa May thwarted. Sky News Crime correspondent confirmed it's the latest in a number of terror plots that police and MI5 believe they've foiled just this year, and what they said in, it is in essence an extremist, Islamist suicide plot against Downing Street, and what they plan to do is launch a few uh, explosives to distract people, ensuing chaos, and then attacking Theresa May in the chaos. So, uh the investigators say this is something that is inv- has involved multiple people and two men have been arrested, they're still looking for others and they've been charged with preparing acts of terrorism and obviously both are Arab and they will be arraigned on Wednesday morning. But this is uh I find this ironic as Teresa May has turned into one of the uh bigger defenders of extreme Islam over in the UK. Now we see a plot's been foiled uh, targeting her directly,
1: and and we're we're going to be seeing more and more of this. Look, there's no appeasement for Islamic terrorism. There's no appeasement to Muslims. There's no answer to this unfettered yeah. alien immigration except to, to deport them all. I mean, and I mean that deport them all, cut off the immigration flow.
2: She's gone out of her way, you know, to to not uh, to, to even talk down to the people who yep. call terrorist attacks Islamic terrorist attacks. She's been over backwards trying to. A placate to Islam, yet what happens? They still target her for death.
1: Well, you, you've you've got the, these snowflakes out there, these people, and, and I and I wonder, and I'm going to toss this out to our listeners and viewers. Uh, uh, what is wrong with these people that that uh, that don't understand the civilization jihad that's taking place? When you talk with people, it, this is not about a country opening its borders for those in need or or, uh, to the betterment of the country. This is about a forced uh, invasion. I don't know how else to put it, but the forced invasion uh, of whether whether it's the U.K. or the European Union in total or countries individually or the United States. This is a civilization, Jihad. This is war by demographics or, more appropriately, murder by the numbers or murder by demographics. This is a, the greatest – this is a, one of the best ways to destroy a country, borders, culture, and uh, language, as Michael Savage points out. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. And so, so, so look, I, I think all of this, all of these issues tie together, and I want people really to – to, um, and, I, and I talked about this on my morning show, if we look at everything with a kind of a broader lens, and then and Bill Federer talked about this as well on our evening show last night, on the Hagman Report last night, you kind of had to zoom out a little bit so you're not you're not ambushed by the by the pixels or you can see well beyond the pixels. Zoom out a little bit, see the whole picture, and then drill down on each specific topic. So I think all of the things that we're talking about today are related. They're objectives of the globalist agenda. And the globalists are nothing more than the communists. Uh, the, and the communists right now have the bedfellows with the Muslims. So you've got the communists, the, the red-green axis being used by the globalists to bring in, um to change the dynamics of all Western civilization, including but not limited to the United States of america, and that 's what 's taking place but the the u s is on it, it, we are on the chopping block um much like the u k is and, and we've got a lot of people that listen in the u k and a lot of people listen in europe uh hello Karen in
2: Rome by the way yeah, um we do have a lot of people listening yeah. in the u k even the, the metrics on the daily show I think. Uh, 8 to 10% of the listeners are from the UK, which is pretty yeah. surprising.
1: And South Africa too.
2: Yeah. Hi to South Africa. Uh, thanks for
1: listening. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, you name the country. But thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in. But, but see, we're all in the same boat. If you live in a free country, in a westernized country, we're all in the same boat. And I, Donald Trump has proven to me more, I believe, of late. That he is on the side of a, on the people, as the side of the people, he is an outsider. Now, I think he is getting bad advice from his attorneys. I think he's being isolated by his staff. Somebody, yeah. Okay, I absolutely, and I think that that the deep state operatives have infiltrated his inner camp. So
2: we have to. Uh, but I mean, I wish he was, he's uh, watching though. He's listening to others, but go ahead. I wish he would. You know, like we've seen presidents in past times do, um, you know, call a press conference, get everybody in the Oval Office, we interrupt this, you know, your regular scheduled programming to bring you a word from the president. And for the president to get on TV and explain to his supporters and the American people exactly what it is that's going on. You know, why is he uh, and his administration seem to be on the defensive, not becoming more offensive? Why is he not publicly calling out the the FBI for the uh, political tool that it has become, why is he not uh, why is he not reaching out? Why is he not speaking out more to his to his base, letting him know that at least that he understands what is going on around him. That is yet to be seen. And I don't expect him to do it. He would probably get um you know, as you said, the inner circle will probably uh sway him against it. For all we know, he's he's tried to do something like that and they have uh, you know, shut him down. But what kind of uh, how effective of a leader can he be if he is being uh, obstructed inside of his own inner circle? And I do believe that is happening to a great degree. Well, yeah, exactly,
1: and and that's one of the things I think that we have to um, we have to pray that 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 there and do what we can. To in fact, I, I believe that he does read as much as he can via Twitter. Uh, he, he does tweet and I think he reads some of the responses well in fact I, I, I know that because uh, Peter Chaka was re- tr- uh, retweeted by President or yeah Peter Chaka was retweeted by President Trump how, how many people can say that Chaka for that and congratulations um, to Peter for uh, uh, your relationship dynamic relationship with, with Sean Hannity who I believe is a great truth teller in the corporate media as it exists today but but I think that it's our job to do what we can to get his attention, and to even though as 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 crazy as that sounds, uh, the the more people who are active and proactive in the information war, I think the better. So let's keep going with that. Uh, I I just I, I I think we we're at a crossroads right now, but I think we can win. I think we can win if we show up. We can win on the numbers. Because we have, think about this, the conservatives in this country, and I'm talking about the true patriotic, Second uh, Second Amendment-loving, Bible-loving, or Second American-supporting, Bible-loving Christian conservatives. We outnumber the snowflake, liberal, progressive, communist, mindset, mind-numbed
2: individuals. We can win on the numbers. We are up against the break. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: Back to Hagman. This is the Hagman report for today. It is Tuesday, December fifth. Mueller deputy praised Department of Justice official after she defied Trump travel ban order. I am so proud. That's right. You know I had, and I want to correct my pronunciation. I had uh, mentioned during the show last night. I had called Peter Strzok. Apparently, the Z is silent. His last name is. S T R Z O K. I pronounced it uh sturzok, but apparently the Z is silent. Who knew? Struck, right? Struck, yeah. right. And uh but but nonetheless, the incredible, just an incredible tale of recklessness yeah. uh, where you've got a partisan FBI agent in our partisan bureaucracy. Now this is uh this was featured at uh, National Review, and and I cite National Review not because I I like National Re- Review. Notice that they, National Re- Review was uh, against Donald Trump and and uh, fully in the Never Trump camp, but uh, and, but by citing certain people does not mean that I I endorse the publication. But having said all of that i think what we're seeing is a very calculated exposure to the rot that's inside of the department of justice and fbi now the the problem with this it's not donald trump doing it which he needs to do the question is he causing it to, to be done i don't think so however i do know look at judicial watch look at tom fitton what they're doing look at um Look at what Sean Hannity is doing. I know for a fact, and, and trust me when, when I say this, I know for a fact that there are direct lines of communication between some of the very people I speak to on a daily basis and Joe uh, on a daily basis to President Donald Trump. You can take that to the bank. That is absolutely 100% true. Now, will that ever, is there an admission? Can there be an admission? Of course not. Uh, why do I even bring this up? Mm-hmm. I bring uh, this up? What? No, no, what? I'm just messing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can, you know, I, I'm his father. I can still <laughs> put you over my knee. Remember when you were little. Yeah, uh, but, but no, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because uh I, I think for the first time in modern history, in fact, the first time in probably 100 years or longer, we have, we have had a president who is actually from... A different circle from the business world, from the real world, not from the insulated bubble of Washington politics, not from a, a position of governor or senator or, or side of politics. And his circle of, of who he listens to, uh, is much broader. And I think the channels that he has are, um, not much different than than the Washington channels. Now, here's here's another thing that uh, uh, I, I had I had seen something in in our YouTube chat where uh, that, that we are dead wrong on certain issues, and we should listen to various podcasters and various bloggers. Uh, okay, you don't think we do? You don't think we're in contact with certain people? You don't think that we're in contact with people we've had on this program? I happen to see the the uh, um, whatever you call it, the the, the chat go by mentioning uh, Tracy Beans, for example. We've had her on the program. We've we've spoken to her. We follow what she says. We follow what other bloggers, what independent journalists say. We listen to uh, everyone from we'll say Tracy Beans to um, to uh, Hannity or to Tucker Carlson or to. Uh, Judge Napolitano or to Greg Jarrett from George Webb we monitor to um, the corporate media members of the corporate media. I guess what we're saying is we don't the, the, the our analysis of information is not dependent upon any one specific person but it's a conglomeration of sources. But we also have direct lines, as I mentioned earlier, to people who are knowledgeable about what's going on inside the beltway. And I think that that's what people – I think we're underestimated. I think people do underestimate us in that respect. But that's okay. It's better to be underestimated than to be overestimated, in my view. I want people I, – I would much rather to be a Colomboesque esque kind of detective than a Magnum PI kind of detective, if you know what I mean, using the television – Portrayal of fictional characters. I'd much rather have somebody never, uh, I'd much rather be underestimated than over, over, uh, or have them see me coming, if that makes sense. But let's move on. Back to the, uh,
2: what you just mentioned about, uh, the... sorry. Man, we got, I, I, I got a to that teach that because, uh, You know, I've been coughing, uh, so I've, I've been trying to keep it muted and then listening to you talk and then remember to turn it back on. But, uh, what you said about Robert Mueller, the Mueller investigation and the people in the FBI. Uh, there was an interesting article on the Daily Caller today that highlights top Clinton aides face no charges after making false statements to the FBI. And this goes back to Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills. And what's interesting about this article is on the Daily Caller is that they have the actual documents. They have the claims. They have the the 302 forms that were taken, uh, again by the, uh, Strzok, the guy who had to be removed due to his anti-Trump tweets. He was the one who conducted the interview of Clinton herself on July second, twenty sixteen, as well as with Cheryl Mills and Huma Abedin. Those three o two interview statement summaries of interviews were released by the FBI, and they showed that Mills and Abedin both stated during the interviews with the FBI they were not aware of the server until after she left the State Department. But documents that uh, were internal emails uh, amongst each other. Show well, way back into 2010 that Cheryl Mills and in 2013, I'm sorry, 2012, Huma Abedin, uh, stated in the emails that they knew about the private server. So, right here alone is proof enough that <laughs> yeah. Mills and Abedin both lied to the FBI the same crime which General Flynn is and has been, uh, pled guilty to. Oh, And this shows the bias. Did you hear, did you hear, uh, Donald Trump talk about that? No, I didn't. Okay,
1: his statement yesterday, as he was getting on the helicopter, and you know his his hair is flying up, and it was it was great. He 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 said, um, well, he was referencing uh, Hillary Clinton, but you might as well put Huma Abedin and uh, Cheryl Mills in the same camp. But he, he said they ruined Flynn, but they let Clinton go. And and I would put oh yeah uh, maybe
2: I did see that last I would night.
1: put Mills and and Samuelson and, and Huma and all of that in the same in the same uh, bag of people by the way and, and one thing by the way well I, a- I, I in my rec- I just want to say this before because in case this person does not listen to the rest of the program when I mentioned that comment in the chat I happen to see I want to be very respectful of that that commenter I respect. Believe me, I respect your. I respect you. That was not meant to be disrespectful. In my response. I, I was trying to be. Sometimes my wife says, "You know, you got a really sharp tone about you," and uh, God bless her because I, I use that that sharp tone. I don't mean to. It, it's it's just kind of an edginess to me, um, and I respect what that. Commenter said, "I just want to make sure that that she knows that, or he knows that, uh, whoever wrote that knows that it wasn't meant to be disrespectful. I just wanted to make sure that people know that we listen and we we analyze everyone's uh, uh, or as many people as we can their view." I mean, interrupt. Continue forward
2: with. Well, what, what I wanted to say just in closing about um, this this struck his conduct as he gave a free pass to Mills and Aberdeen and has charged Flynn. And obviously protected Hillary Clinton. He was the one that changed the language of Comey's uh, letter, saying, uh, changing it from gross negligence to whatever the extreme, extremely what, careless is. extremely carelessness, yep. where gross, yep. gross negligence is a crime, and extremely careless is not. But what's interesting about this, the FBI director Christopher Ray, will be. Uh, testifying on Thursday when he attends an oversight hearing at the House Judiciary Committee specifically about this FBI agent's actions so I don't know what will come of that but this obviously um you know you have the the proof you have the evidence that shows the complete bias of the FBI and some of the personnel inside the FBI protecting their their uh, friends and allies that being the Clinton administration while targeting and going after trump and his uh, associates with general flynn now we have uh, a few things i guess we can't play this video i wanted to play because it would <laughs> bring some copyright issues due to the song that is played in the background and that song is uh it's the end of the world as as we know and it. by the
1: way even and when we have the copyright even when we, even even we have we, permission, we, we, still get we purchase the copyright. copyright rights and they
2: still ding us for copyright violations well there, there's a, an interesting video and you can just search the title out on youtube Democrats flip out over Armageddon GOP tax reform bill. Uh, I put a little article together on Hagman Report late last night detailing the interview or press conference that Nancy Pelosi had when she was talking about this tax plan. But this video is a compilation from Maxine Waters to Charles Schumer to Nancy Pelosi all crying about the tax bill. And the article talks about how Democrats have taken dramatic tax reform using apocalyptic language about the impact that they think the legislation will have. I'm just going to detail some of these lawmakers and what they how they classified this tax bill. Nancy Pelosi said it's it's Armageddon. It would be the end of the world. Uh, Pelosi also called the legislation the worst bill in the history of the United States. Former Obama official Lawrence Summers wrote, thousands of people are going to die." Chuck Schumer said the bill passed under the cover of darkness and is one of the worst pieces of legislation um elizabeth warren said it was horrible and cruel mark warren uh, says this is the single worst day in u.s senate history bernie sanders said it was one of the greatest robberies in modern history Uh, andrew cuomo said that this is the death penalty and uh, also that this is legislative rape and pillage maxine waters said it was a tax scam and on and on and on. Literally, one of the legislators called this a legislative rape. There you go. <laughs> I find it so funny. These people in there, I mean, they passed the Obamacare bill. You couldn't find out what was in the bill till it passed. And it changed the whole health care system and one-fifth of the economy. But these uh, people are speaking out against a tax break on corporations and uh, and some Americans and they're there they're saying thousands of people will die and it's the end of the world. Pretty humorous as always. And we know that any and everything Trump does receives negative press and that's just the way it is. But even donating his paycheck uh to different charities, he gets dragged through the mud in the press for doing so, and he just freed up some federal land out west. And he is being taken to task again. Network's hyper-liberal backlash against Trump freeing up federal land. On Tuesday, all three network morning shows touted the immediate backlash against Trump's decision to reduce the size of two national monuments in Utah. And this is one of the things that was said on one of the shows. Turning now to the growing battle over the Trump administration's plans to reduce the size of two national monuments in Utah, the move sparked immediate backlash from the West all the way to Washington, and they said that this is, um, uh, the president is stepping into the middle of the western land battle, dramatically scaling back the size of the two monuments. They said that this is controversial, and conservation groups are forming a joint legal challenge against the administration. Is there anything they don't sue this president over? But anyways, they went on to make a case that, uh, because he made these public lands private, that companies are going to come in and drain the resources and frack the land and whatnot. And they basically call it a uh, an environmental assault.
1: So Remember what I told you when Obama set up his digs on Embassy Road there? He created an organization that did that, that, that sole purpose was to sue and uh, mm-hmm. create. Um, uh, create the uh, litigation against this administration for ethics violations or for whatever process. Yeah,
2: they there were was. setting that up before the election actually happened.
1: Well, uh, not before the election
2: specifically. Well, organizing for action was, law, uh, but the DNC, uh, the Podesta, and Hillary—they ha- they were planning these Russian narrative. Uh, just in, in in the in the slight chance that Trump won, they were planning some of these these. Um, Stories and, and problems. I'll give you that. Yeah, in order to yeah. bring them up, if he did win, to cause doubt about his presence Right.
1: But, and remember how Hillary said that any questioning of the election results, which is taking place right now, would be, would be an assault on our, our democracy, which of course, in proper use, uh, would be a threat to, to our liberty and to our country. And of course, this is exactly what she's doing right now. And I find it very interesting as well. Have you seen some images? And, and these are things that we like to keep our eyes on. We, we can't vet any of this, but, um, war watch we watch things like uh when i was she, in, she was in philadelphia i think on a book signing or she was in philadelphia hillary clinton was and there was a picture of her i think it was her right leg or was her i think it was her Isn't right leg getting
2: helped out of the car
1: no no this is it, well, it might have been the same time, but there, there was a picture of her right leg, and it looked like maybe there was a, a brace of some oh, kind on yeah, her leg. Oh, yeah, a boot. Uh, it was a boot? Well, no, this is a, not a boot, but uh, under her pant leg, um, it looked like there was some sort of device there, and, and there's a w- just rampant speculation as to what that is. Um, but now, on, on the other hand, uh, we we also see so many uh, rumors that are just kind of ridiculous in this face, where, you know, Podesta's in prison... Um, uh, there are, are indictments against Hillary. You, you can't, you can't bet those, certainly. But we I, Podesta in prison, mm. uh, and, and also we, we've yes, to answer many questions too we've gotten via email. Yes, we we followed the Q and on uh, 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 postings. We've been following that. The reason we don't talk much about that is we we surveil that, we monitor that, but we we don't talk much about it because really at this point, what can you say? And for those people who don't know what we're talking about the QAnon on 4chan. Um, if you, if you know what we're talking about, understand we've been following that. We, we, we've, we've been assembling all of the posts, of course, and looking at the historical context. The thing is, it's difficult to, to trace it back to any one source. And there's a lot of speculation about who this QAnon is and who this Q is. And, uh, uh, what the messages are. Uh, in the relationship, perhaps to Donald Trump, yeah, so I thought I'd, I'd throw that out there as well. Uh, we're going to see another thing: Goog- Google has enlisted uh, an army to police YouTube videos. That's in already comments. taking place. That's yeah, right in comments. 10, plus.
2: Yeah, yeah. I They're think- going to go uh, delete and remove uh, what they deem to be hateful and/or racist content that be that is in the videos or in the comments sections themselves. And just continuation of social media censorship, we what we see in Europe and Canada is that people who are making comments that are deemed to be inappropriate online are actually being found out by police and charged either with summary offenses like fines or, in some cases, with hate speech laws, and how long until they try to enact those on the books here in America. There's an interesting video on the Washington Free Beacon that details the uh, Columbia students' protest of free speech. And if you watch the video, these people will talk about how free speech is is offensive um, and oppressive to to the minorities and whatever. But it's just very eye-opening and tells you that it might not be long before we see those kind of hate speech laws on the books here in America with that kind of mentality we have festering oh, in the close. universities. Yeah. But um, I want to make sure we hit this story before we hit the end of the hour. The Supreme Court is uh, hearing arguments on the gay wedding cake and... It has been said that Judge Kennedy may be the... And this headline from the Washington Examiner, in Supreme Court gay wedding cake case, Kennedy says state has not been tolerant of Baker's religious views. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy said during oral arguments today that Colorado did not appear to show religious tolerance when it used its public accommodations law to force Baker Jack Phillips to create speech via a custom cake for a same-sex wedding that defies his religious belief. I'm going to tell you one thing. Let me jump in here. If I was a baker,
1: and I'm deadly serious about this, if I was a baker and I owned a business and and somebody came in and said, I want you to bake a cake for a husband and a husband or a wife and a wife, I would shut down my business before I acquiesced or or, or folded uh, in front or on behalf of the Litigators or the people coming in to demand that I I bake this cake, I would burn down my business before I did that. I would, I would just overcharge and
2: do a terrible. No, job.
1: no, I would not. No, no. I'm going to tell you right now because, and this is I part want of to the ruin problem. My business. This is well, no, this is part of the problem. I think I think Americans today have gotten too soft. We've become too tolerant of the perverted, of the perverse of this well it's it's not politically correct we've got to conform baloney, we don't have to conform. I don't have to bake you a cake. Right. Well, don't let I, And I'll, sh- business, I'll shut down right. my flipping business before I would allow,
2: I'd or before, them, be, before I I before it was made to bake, bake you a cake. cake. Well, I, I wouldn't shut down the business. I'd make them take the business away from me for, through not complying with them. I would not th- let them win by shutting down and packing up. And okay.
1: Well, I, I guess if I was ever backed into that, that corner, I guess we're, we're talking extreme measures here.
2: Not really extreme <laughs> because it's well, happening across in, in different industries. All right, and that's that's the same thing. I'm going to
1: tell you right now. I'm not going to fold under the pressure of these of these morons who believe, in my view, that they've got this right to, to make me do what I don't want to do, or right, what to make. my religious their... convictions say no. Right. So I I am you know what I am not going to be tolerant. I am intolerant. I'm intolerant of the perverse. I'm intolerant of the of the. The idiocy that that is encapsulated by these morons out there, these mental midgets who are uh, who are just nothing but but uh, uh, well, they're spiritually bankrupt and, and they're they're mentally bankrupt, I believe. But you're not going to make me bake a cake any more than you're going to make me do anything I don't want to do or that's against my religious beliefs. So I think Americans have to stand up and say no, we're not going to tolerate this because behind this one request is a, a, a huge agenda. And I think people have to realize that this is not just, this is not about cake. It's never about the spoon. This is not about the cake. Mm-hmm. This is about a bigger agenda here at play. And we have to tamp this out before it gets any bigger. It's my view.
2: Yeah, so what's this going to, I mean, what, uh how is the court going to decide this case? We heard the, uh, a number of different opinions and oral arguments from Kennedy pointing out that Colorado was not tolerant of the baker's religious views and says tolerance is essentially in a free society and tolerance is most meaningful when it's mutual. Kennedy said, It seems to me that the state in its position here has been neither tolerant nor respectful of Mr. Phillips' religious beliefs. Justice Altio and Gorsuch similarly expressed concerns about the bias of Colorado's actions against Phillips' Though Kennedy's commentary voted well for the baker, the justice also asked whether a Phillips victory meant bakers could begin hanging signs in windows saying they would not bake cakes for gay weddings. So we have... Um, Why isn't this a Muslim bakery? Oh, Why yeah, don't they there,
1: try this? Why don't they try this with the, with the Islamic cases papers,
2: where people have gone in and just to test the waters with video cameras, and, and they would not bake the cakes? Well, okay, so is the Department of Justice
1: uh, enacting any kind of civil litigation, or or what about the people, the, the, uh, I mean, the we're, potential customers?
2: And, and where does this stop? I mean, will, as we've seen in the past, will uh, same sex couples be able to force churches to marry them through through litigation of, of discrimination? Uh, there has to be lines drawn here, as you said. This is much more than just it's uh, never about the cake. It's not about the cake, not at all. It is about uh, you know freedom of of belief and expression, and this is uh, a very important case that's going to be coming down uh, to a decision pretty soon. So, but uh, Do- Coach Dombair told you this, and, and the people we've had on told you this.
1: This is not when Ober uh, the Greg Jackson with the Obergefell decision. Which uh is really not a the law of the land. Homosexuality is not the law of the land, contrary to what you believe. Nor is abortion uh, in, in you know the murder of unborn children. That is um, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not make law, uh, and, and I understand how ludicrous that sounds, or you think that sounds coming out of my mouth. But there is a long history which we don't have time to get into. But the bottom line is this: uh, we have to stand up and we have to fight against this perversion. And if we don't, who will? And, and uh, shamefully, prayer went out of school. No one, no one really stood up. Uh, the myth of uh, separation of church and state. Again, the myth. And if you think that I'm off base on that, you've got to study history and study the documents of our founding fathers. All of this combined. We are living in an alternate reality here that I think that people, if, if, if everyone understood, the intent and the framework of our constitution and and how this country was built, we we would see how far astray we've been led in the media. Of course, big proponents of this, um, the right wing watch websites, the Snopes websites, they all, in my view, are purveyors of misinformation, disinformation. They're all purveyors of this, this perversity, purveyors of perversity in my view. Uh, and, and these little snowflake writers who sit behind the, behind the keyboard and, and scratch out these columns that make fun, poke fun at people like Coach Dave Dobmeyer, um, uh, and are so accepting of oh the perversity, oh it's just normal. No, it's not normal. What's wrong with you? Uh, homosexual marriage is not normal. It, it, it's it's it, you know you 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 say you believe in science, well. Show me scientifically where, you know, with with very rare exceptions, uh, and even those are questionable, where homosexuality among species is is you know normal. It's not normal, um, and I can go on and on. Certainly, this is leading to bestiality. This is leading to mm-hmm. all the perversities that, mm-hmm. that you can uh, you can.
2: Reading these arguments here, it's crazy. It does extend uh, to a whole number of of other issues, uh, in freedom from freedom of expression to. Um, as what I just said about, you know, forcing churches to marry homosexual couples, other, uh, like the Catholic League services would, they say, so the Catholic League services would be put into the choice of either not providing any pro bono legal services or providing those in connection with same sex marriages. Meaning if they provide, uh, you know, legal services pro bono to, to one person or one cause, would they be forced then to uh, take on causes that they don't morally or religiously agree with? Mm-hmm. And it's going across the board, as you said, not just from cakes, but, um, you know, every it, it is a very big and important case, and it seems that the majority is leaning uh, right or with the baker that it is a violation to force him to do something against his will operating a business and one of the justices equated it to going into a restaurant and demanding custom food that's not on the menu and uh... forcing restaurants to to uh, acquiesce to that so
1: this is not about civil rights this is about special rights that don't exist
2: right right but it's uh... it's interesting to read these arguments and the different opinions um... another story that's important john conyers the congressman who is um... uh... Full of of sexual misconduct and assault scandals, is going to retire, and his replacement. <laughs> we'll be right back. Sorry about that. Be anyway. Of the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by Jack Morphonius in just a few moments. He, he has the YouTube channel End, Time, End Times News Report. And it's actually, uh, I didn't know he was going to be coming. I didn't know this was the same guy who had that YouTube channel. I've been talking about his videos on The Daily Show for a few weeks now. He's done some real in depth investigative journalism into more of the background information of Stephen Paddock, the Las Vegas shooter. And we're going to be getting into that with him in just a few moments when he joins us. But I first want to bring you a word from Greenovative. We have a huge sale that Greenovative has been, um, that we've had this sale since Thanksgiving. It is was the Black Friday sale that has been extended. And Greenovative is continuing their huge 30% discount sale. You can take 30% off of the entire store. All you need to do is use the discount code Hagman. And, uh, this is a sale specifically for all the loyal Hagman listeners, and this is the perfect time to buy any of the gifts at, at Green Innovative. They make power, portable power, uh, that makes power anytime, anywhere, in any weather, day or night, with their rechargeable battery systems. Again, it's 30% off all items in the store using promo code Hagman. And you can contact Alan Riggs at Green if you have any questions. Now, uh, before we we get to to Jake, uh, he, I, I want to say Morpheus because on the Matrix that is the uh, the the character's name on on the Matrix. Morphonius. Morphonius. Uh, Mor- <laughs> but uh, we were we were joking before the show that I'm gonna I'm gonna screw it up and say Morpheus, but um, no more Morphonius. Again, his his website is his YouTube channel's End Times News Report, and he has uh, a lot. He's of, on Twitter too at Morphonius. Yeah, and we're gonna get into. Huh. Uh, a number of issues that have been in the news from what has been going on in Saudi Arabia he has some insights as, into uh it, our blackwater uh, mercenaries on the ground in Saudi Arabia torturing some of the Saudi princes who were rounded up in the uh, cor- anti-corruption scandal we're going to get into that
1: man i think you can gar- I, I i really think you could almost get that can be guaranteed and subcontract yeah. yeah look i subcontract all my torture needs out yeah.
2: Well, I have a question. It's just what, the, what, what I do? What information are they trying to see? There's different uh, theories on this. Some are saying that uh, if you if you follow that QAnon stuff, that yeah. this is uh, to extract information about the Hillary Clinton criminal cabal. Others are saying that they're trying to uh, stomp out what do you any mean follow it. Uh, you, you mean you mean buy into it? No, to to figure it out and, and to expose it. This is what uh, this goes on with those sealed indictments, claims, uh-huh. and green well, Langley. Okay, I, I look at it
1: simply as, as all all I do is I look at it as just kind of a piece of information out there. I, I don't. You can't vet that information right. because how, how can you? What are the possibilities? Look, there are a lot of people who want to waste a lot of our time, and you know what? You can select any number of rabbit holes, and uh, and I and I'll tell you something. <laughs> um, this was a trick that used to be it, 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 back in the day. Um, you could you could have somebody chasing their tail for a long time if you knew what you were doing and how to do it, and uh, I see this happening with many people where somebody will be chasing their tail on. On yeah, things like this, and and it's 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 a method to keep someone occupied. So just keep that in the back of your mind.
2: Well, we have our guest with us, Jack Morphonius, and Jack, our, our uh, technician, says that you don't have your video be turned Jake. on. Jake, Jake, I'm sorry. Jake, Again, what did I say, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> it's, it's one of those days. We can screw this up. It's one of those. It's one of those days. No, our tech Eric says that your video okay. is not turned on. If you could turn that on, uh, we would appreciate it. Now, Jake grew up in a political family in Miami, Florida, and was involved in political campaigning from his childhood. His grandfather was a Pulitzer-nominated investigative journalist who exposed mafia activity and political corruption. I'm going to just bring Jake on and let him get into, uh, let him tell you about his background. Jake, welcome to the Hagman Report. Hi,
0: how are you doing? Doing fantastic, we got uh, check
2: <laughs> let me check all right, yeah, I guess we're all right. It's great to have you on. I was just telling our audience that I've been uh following your YouTube channel. I just subscribed to it last month, and I didn't even know you were you were coming on until about an hour or two before the show. Oh. I didn't make the connection, and uh yeah. I just gotta say great work, especially. On, uh, some of your investigations into Stephen Paddock. I want to get into that after we, you, you come on and inter- sure. introduce yourself, but tell our audience a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. Thank you. Well, listen, great to be on the show with you guys. Uh, you do excellent work. Let me, let me give you, I guess, a real quick synopsis. Uh, I grew up in a political family. Uh, my grandmother was uh, an elected official. My uh, grandfather. Used to run, he was the chief of staff for a a senator and congressman down in Florida. Uh, my dad used to work with, um, some of the Bushes down there, uh, in Florida, Jeb, and worked on the campaign for HW, things like that. And, um, very diverse. My grandfather was liberal. He was a state campaign chairman, uh, for, um, Lyndon Johnson during his presidential bid uh my grandmother was so conservative she was she used to host rush limbaugh's show and um so very very diverse background as far as the political philosophy that i grew up with i'm much more libertarian than any of them well as an adult i kind of followed in the family footsteps i became a political strategist operative i was the um campaign uh, chairman here in north carolina for steve forbes when he ran in 2000, and uh, I was a writer for the Ron Paul campaign uh, for his uh, 08 and 12 presidential bids, um, so a lot of work with state-level candidates. But uh, as far as what actually paid the bills, that was just, you know, you, unless you're going to live in D.C. and work full-time as an operative, which I just couldn't stomach. The, uh, the DC culture so I couldn't do that So what I did was I worked as An investigator over the years In a couple different um, Fields including Financial crimes investigation For a fortune 100 bank um, Working on money laundering Terrorism uh, Money being moved to uh, but Basically uh, Laundering money to, to Terrorist related charities things like that uh, Lots of financial crimes related stuff uh, in 2012, uh, I really had been dreading working in the, the corporate world for for a while by that point. So I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I, I left the company and just went into business for myself. And um doesn't pay as well, but I love it. And so what I do is just kind of freelance investigative work related to big stories going on, mostly geopolitical activities. In the Middle East is kind of my forte, but I've taken that and applied the the work that I did to uh, a whole lot of stuff with sex trafficking, um, pedophile rings here in in the United States that traffic kids into um, uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, but the last couple of months, I've just been completely consumed with one story, and that is the Las Vegas shooting. So that's wow. really what what I've been working on. All
1: right. Well, I, I'm I'm waited with I'm waiting with bated breath here to yeah uh, to hear what you've got to say about Vegas. I know Joe's been following your your work on that. Go ahead, yeah, Joe. the
2: last video I watched of yours on Stephen Paddock was a video you did. I believe it was a, of a town called uh, Provo, Utah, and a connection in a car that Paddock apparently owned with another man who was arrested for. Uh, some kind of of drug dealing through a pharmacy he owned, and but, I found that to be very interesting, and, and that's where I, I haven't watched any of your videos since that one. Okay, but, but let's not go
1: too far, to, because we have an hour with you. Uh What yeah. I'd like to do, if we can do this, it, it, first of all, is the topic of Vegas okay for... Absolutely. Okay, all right, so why don't we do this? We're, what, uh, two months out, two months after yep. the event. We don't know yeah. anything At least from the vantage point of the FBI and and the LVMPD, they haven't released squats about motive, about uh, the means, even uh, or anything. So why don't you just walk us through what we can, what we do know, um, and wherever trail you want to go down, we're just going to let you go and and walk us through this whole mess.
0: All right, yeah. So of course, anyone who follows this, the YouTube community or anything online with regard to the Vegas investigation. What we know for sure is that, uh, there's rampant speculation. Lots of people have got different theories and these are great because, you know, it, it kind of speculation starts us looking down a certain avenue and, uh, follow it. If it pans out excellent. We keep, keep going with it. If it doesn't, we debunk it, set it aside and, and move on. Um, unfortunately, there's a whole lot of um, resistance to letting go of pet theories out there when they just don't fit anymore um, so so what I do is a combination of debunking things that are just not accurate and then confirming to the extent we can what is accurate So we started out with this hearing of course that that idea that this was a lone gunman lone wolf shooter is what uh, Sheriff Lombardo told us before the police had even stood down while they were still hunting for shooters uh, the sheriff was already out there saying any reports of multiple gunmen it's just not true uh, so one thing I could say for sure is that the police did believe that there were multiple shooters the PR statements to the contrary are just that it's it's just, uh, it's the, it's the story you tell the public. Um, Sheriff Lombardo alluded to that by saying, you know, we don't want the public to panic. Uh, I think there's a whole lot more reason that he doesn't want to talk about it than that. But let, let's talk about what we do know. For example, uh, I've put out on my, on my YouTube channel, uh, actual video of, uh, a number of people talking about it, in the hundreds that were inside of the Mandalay Bay at the time that the shooting was going on. When the shooting is going on, let's say up at the 32nd floor there, after that was all said and done, and Stephen Paddock had allegedly shot himself and we were done, Lombardo was out there saying, no more, this is it. And yet, what was happening inside, and the video evidence we have shows this, is that the police continued hunting for gunmen inside the Mandalay Bay complex for hours after it was over. And the video that I put up, uh, footage from people that were there, these are Mandalay Bay employees, well, kind of the shops there. For, for the viewers that don't know how this is set up, you've got the Mandalay Bay Hotel, and then kind of back here you have the Delano Hotel or Delano Hotel. In between these two hotels... Is a series, uh, it's about, it's two stories. It's a complex of shopping, uh, stores, everything from flip flops to restaurants, uh, that you can go in there. And also in there is on the first floor, there's the casino and that's kind of between the two hotels. And then right next to the casino inside this complex is a great big theater called the Michael Jackson One Theater. Well, what started happening was sources started sending me information saying, we were there, there were gunshots inside the casino. We heard them. You could smell the uh, the, uh smoke. And this, this is um, from multiple sources, independent of each other, saying that they smelled a very distinct uh, odor of gunpowder. Um, someone sent me a video that I watched of them approaching from the Delano side, approaching toward the uh, Mandalay Bay Casino. There's a small corridor that goes between the Delano Hotel and into that casino complex. There are a couple different people, actually, that caught video footage. Um, One of them was a fellow that did a Periscope video, kind of live-streamed that, and he got to a certain point. Then there was another man that was even up closer. What you see in these videos is as they're going toward the casino you hear pop 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 you hear a number of, of uh, gunshots the video shows a SWAT team and this is part of the footage that I didn't put out the SWAT team moving forward you can hear them in the other video that I did put out screaming run get out of here run uh, Laura Loomer had released a little footage a while back showing a, um, a man laying face down in that exact spot where this popping sound is heard. Person face down, can't tell if they're dead or, or alive. or But what has come out since then is footage from employees that were in some of these shops around this area while this was going on. One is from a young woman who was the only person in her store and she says, because she was live streaming while this was going on, uh, this is, uh, she started around, I don't know, 10.30 or so live streaming. And she says, throughout the night, what they're saying on the news is just not true. There are gunmen, multiple gunmen, and they're being hunted by the police. She even shows in some of this footage, you can see SWAT walking around as she's kind of looking through the, uh, where you can see. Hours after this uh, shooting is supposed to be done, what we hear uh, and see in these video clips from two different employees is the police and SWAT units that were in this area rounding everyone up and moving them down into that Michael Jackson 1 theater. And the video footage shows uh, at least hundreds of people. One of them in the video says there were thousands, but because the theater was left dark, uh, they kept the lights off the law enforcement kept all the lights off you can't really see for sure how many people but you can see you know a thousand little dots all over the room as people are, are checking out what's going on uh, what the media is saying well the witnesses that put out these uh, this footage they give the time as they go along they're talking they're narrating and what you hear on some of the police scanners of the cops that are walking around you hear them Hours after Paddock was already dead, hours afterward, the, they're still hunting for a shooter who they believed was on the fourth floor.
1: Uh, I, by I the mean, way, uh, Jake, I, I have recordings from that night of just what you're speaking about from the live feed of the EMS or whatever you'd call that. Um, but, yes, I, I can confirm what you're saying.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Okay.
2: Go
1: ahead.
0: Yeah.
2: I just want to mention that. So, to, just to verify that, um, and there's also recordings of uh, reports of men on uh, with guns on the the runway at uh, the Las in, Vegas in airport. The Karen airport. Yeah, the Karen uh, airport.
0: The airport. Yeah. And uh, right now, uh, among the the information that I put out, also during this time, actually backing up prior to when it's kind of been established that the time of the major gun volley started at 10.05 p.m. That's what uh, the, the final word from the Sheriff's Department has been, and most citizen investigators kind of agree, based on analysis of the different cell phone footage, that it was 10.05 p.m. Well, among the witnesses that came forward was a man who spoke with me and showed me the time stamp on his cell phone, sent me a, a screenshot of it, from 9.55 p.m. Uh, his friend, he was staying at the Delano Hotel. A friend of his left to go join another party. She went down the elevator, out to the Delano Ballet, got picked up, and had headed out Mandalay Bay Road out to where it meets Las Vegas Boulevard. While she was at that intersection, it was heavy traffic waiting for the lights to change and so forth, she heard gunshots taking place And she looked out and saw men who were carrying guns. And so she kind of ducked down. She called her friend and said, Hey, there are gunmen down here, stay in your room. Uh and again, this this is street. Street level? This is street level. This is between uh this is out around Las Vegas Boulevard on kind of between the Luxor Hotel and um, uh, and the concert venue, the Route 91 concert venue, and she sees these men going across the street with guns after she has heard some gunfire. The the source of, that gave me this information heard these gunshots as well, some of them after she had called in, um, and so she jumps out of the car and heads to the Luxor. Uh, where later on you can hear on the police scanner, uh, you can hear the police talking about how there had been a report of a, a man with a gun inside one of the Luxor bath- bathrooms there, restrooms. Um, so we, we, there were definitely people on the ground moving into place, popping off some of these individual single shots prior to the major volley. Whether or not those specific people were among the ones that they were hunting inside the Mandalay Bay complex, I can't say. It seems like there were multiple people in this, this, uh, this team that was working this strip. But going back to the one in the Michael Jackson Theater, you can hear on the police scanner, uh, audio there and the police talking among themselves and telling the people as they're moving, they're very serious. They're telling me, get in the theater. They keep the doors locked from the inside, so that nobody outside the theater can open the doors and come in. And the, the law enforcement—they're yelling at the people, "Get in! Stay away from the hallway there! Stay away from the doors!" Uh, in one, I guess, segment of it, you hear the police yelling, uh, "This is still an active situation. Um, there are people still out there." And again, this is uh, at that point. This is after 1am. This is around 1.30 in the morning, Vegas time. Uh, so it's well beyond the time even that SWAT had breached the, the room 135 on the 32nd floor, uh, that they're still hunting. And so you hear in these videos, you can hear the people talking to each other, the, the civilians and, you know, the Mandalay Bay shop employees talking amongst each other about this hunt for the shooter. The police had they finally finished clearing the fourth floor, verified there was nobody there at that point, but they were still looking for someone. And the testimony of these witnesses, which people can see for themselves in the the video footage that I posted, they are saying, we know that there are multiple shooters. The police are telling us that they're still looking for shooters plus we've got the uh the, the witnesses who said that they heard the gunshots around the casino whether or not the person the body face down in the uh, casino was shot or not we don't don't know i do have someone that's reached out to me and says that he is going to deliver to me um Footage from a different angle of that body. He says the person looks like their body had been dragged forward based on the clothing being pulled up over the head. It's not someone that was just complying with law enforcement orders to get down on the ground or something like that. Someone who, uh, I haven't seen that footage yet, so I'm, uh, I can't can't verify that for sure. Well, just, to be,
1: just to be clear, are you you referencing the body of ostensibly a paddock? Is that what you're referencing?
0: No. 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 Okay. No.
1: All right. So uh, I just-
0: paddock, paddock would have been up on the 32nd floor. There is some cell phone footage that someone had sent to uh, Laura Loomer, and she put it out, and after she put it out, I went, I, I saw it, by I had moved Oh, Laura. okay,
1: I'm sorry. Uh, now I know what you're talking about, the the casino footage, the lower half, the legs. Right. Okay. Yeah, we actually had
0: her on yeah. the day that she yeah. released that. Okay. Right, exactly. Yeah, she and I uh, and, and a couple other people had actually sat around a table inside the Luxor watching this footage, trying to decide, you know, to... Put it out or not, or how to do it, um, because it doesn't show the top half, and you just can't see a whole lot to really know. Right. Hopefully, this footage does get sent to me that shows it from a different angle, and we can we can get more in- information on that. The strange thing, though, for those that were inside the Michael Jackson theater, and again, this is hundreds and hundreds of people that are in there. Um, while they're in there, law enforcement at one point yells at everyone to get down. And there are a couple of videos that have been put out by different people in the theater, uh, showing the aftermath of this. Everyone in the theater gets down on the ground again after, well after one in the morning because someone was trying to get into the, the theater. Whether or not it was a uh, gunman, we don't know. We just know there was panic and, uh, the, the cops are racing around because they, they still at that point believe there were multiple gunmen. Um, At the end, though, after keeping everyone in there for hours and hours all through the night, not letting them go, when when they finally deemed that it was safe for them to leave, semi-safe, they wouldn't let them go back to their own vehicles. The employees couldn't go back to the parking garage, couldn't go back into the casino area. For whatever reason, they wanted all of that locked off. Remember, this is not supposed to be a crime scene area. I guess technically the whole hotel would have been a crime scene, but they wouldn't let them leave that direction. What they did was they took hundreds of these people out the side door, uh, toward, uh, the, the side that Mandalay Bay Road is on, and they put them on buses, and they transported all of the people to, uh, oh, what is it? It's something and Mac. It's the, it's a big convention center where they have sports events and things like that, big coliseum about 15 minutes away from the Strip. Um, that's where they took everybody. And, uh, again, it's all on the video footage. Um, very strange. The employees that were doing these videos found the whole thing bizarre. They didn't understand it. They were frustrated that the truth of what was going on, uh, that the hunt for a shooter was still ongoing, while Sheriff Lombardo hours previously had told the public there's nothing else we there's no other shooters, all these other reports of gunmen elsewhere it's all unconfirmed, not true, no evidence of it. that's not what the police were doing now. when I first went out to vegas i'm I'm in North Carolina when I went out to Vegas to do some investigation on the ground there, I talked with six police officers um, It was all off the got kind of off off the record They didn't want to be quoted, anything like that, but I can characterize. Uh, the, the nature of what they said, and all of these people said the same thing, independent of one another, and that was that they, bu- they believed that there were multiple shooters around the strip. Whether or not these other shooters were actually firing live rounds is, uh, nobody knows for sure. Um, huh? Oh, okay. When, of- when
1: you say f- firing live rounds, that would, that would suggest you're talking about wouldn't it? Right.
0: Right. That, see, that's that's part of this that's confusing. I, I have been very slow to buy into the theory that there, there may have been any kind of crisis acting or anything embedded in all this. The problem that I'm having, though, is I have spoken to so many witnesses now who say, without any question, they, they could smell a very, just overwhelming, one of them said the air reeked of... Gunpowder inside I, yeah. it right, inside the uh the hotel complex there, not up anywhere near the thirty second floor, not out near the doors that might lead out, but well inside these corridors between the uh, Mandalay Bay Casino and the Delano and in the elevator bank around the Delano. They they could smell it there. One of the men who told me this, he, he owns several guns. He likes to go out into the desert doing uh you know, shooting of different, different things, ex- excursions out there for fun. It you know, says, I know what gunpowder smells like. The problem is, there's a, com- a complete lack of forensic evidence showing that bullets hit anything. We don't see, uh, dings in the walls. We're not seeing any, you know, not finding shell casings inside, uh, these particular locations where they're smelling the, the, uh, the gunpowder. So. Right. Could it have been um, something we know in 2016? There was a huge drill they did using um, gunmen that, that went in firing blanks in the Las Vegas City Hall. This would have been summer of 2016. Uh, I put that video out as well. As far as the it actually happening, you can't uh, a civilian certainly can't tell the difference between a live round or or these blanks in the heat of the moment. So whether uh, the reason that I'm I'm open to the idea that that these were blanks being fired, is because one of the police officers that I, that I spoke to said that the concern that the the local local PD had was that they were trying to draw the police into these different locations, not only to allow the people or person at Mandalay Bay to get away. But the police were concerned that they were trying to draw them to other places where there were snipers in place that could shoot the police. It didn't turn out to be the case that the police weren't being shot at, by knowledge, at these other locations. But at least that's what I was told was what they feared in the moment. They knew uh as they were going around, and, and you mentioned the police scanner, you can hear them going around being called to the Bellagio and different locations to after reports of gunmen. But they get there and they can't find anything. So they, you know, they, they just radio back that it's clear. But what they don't say on the scanners is what the police had told me privately. And that was their concern in the moment, uh, while this was going on was that they, they were being manipulated. Um, uh, very, very clearly there were, there were more people in this operation than just, uh, Stephen Paddock. Okay, that we can say for sure.
1: uh, hold that thought. I just want to mention we're we're going to forego the bottom of the hour network break. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for uh, your cooperation in that. And our guest is Jake Morphonius in Times News. Uh, well, actually, you report can right, right on, you, write, and write on YouTube, YouTube and at Morphonius on uh, Twitter. And you can uh, the the links are in the program description. Uh, a Very measured analysis as a, a very good grounded. Measured investigative analysis by our guest, um, who had spent some time and uh, expended some shoe leather at Ground Zero at uh, Las Vegas. Uh, so go ahead, sir, and continue. But by the way, um, just as a point, I guess, to kind of uh, a central point, here's my belief in a nutshell, and you can comment or you can disagree. And if you disagree, I'm I'm open. I'm definitely open to any kind of nudging in any different direction, but in a nutshell, my, my, my assessment at this moment in time, there was, this has got proprietary or black ops. There's, there's some connection to, uh, the intelligence community with respect to Paddock. Okay. Whether or not, regardless of Paddock's involvement, uh, I believe there's also an ISIS or Islamic component to this maybe not on the ground but but certainly indicative of the planning or or uh, operational aspects of of some of this that we're seeing in fact you mentioned this going after the second of uh, the uh, uh first responders as kind of a second wave of uh, of attacks so those two things thirdly i don't believe anything i'm being told <laughs> and and we have seen nothing and for this being the biggest ma- the largest mass shooting in american history in modern times um and of course, aside from Waco, I get that. I, okay, so don't send me any, any more emails no, about that. No evidence. Um, yeah, right. But but the but this has yet to be exploited by the very people you would expect for gun control. That makes me extremely suspicious. With that, we'll turn it back over to you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely with with the points that you made. Um, uh, we know. Well, I say we know. We speculate here based on what we have on Steven Paddock, that he was involved in something more than just being a gambler who became disgruntled and for who knows what reason decided to attack people. Um, when I had gone out to Vegas, one thing that I did was investigate stories related to his home in Mesquite uh, on Babbling Book Report. uh Mesquite is about an hour and 15 minutes if you go up I-15, heading northeast from Vegas. I stayed at the Virgin River Casino in Mesquite, and that's one of the casinos that uh, he frequented there in Mesquite. Uh, It's roughly 10 minutes from his Mesquite home. Um, Early, what I did was I got information from actually some of the real estate agents who had remembered dealing with Paddock because it took a little while for him to, to purchase the home that he did. It goes back to late 2000. Fourteen, He'd gone in What these real estate agents say They distinctly remember Is that he was very open He's kind of braggadocio uh, in, in his talking about how much money he had That he was a professional gambler um, That he, he just had tons of money And um, so they went around Taking him to see different properties But he was very, very specific In what he wanted More than any He didn't care about the floor plan of the house he didn't care about the price of the house. What he cared about more than anything was a private location. And so when they finally found this thing up on the Battling Brook Court, this is up on a hilltop. It, it's a cul-de-sac, only a couple houses around, not many houses around. Uh, house wasn't very big, about um, very few people around. Well, what Stephen Paddock did as soon as he moved in, and this is all confirmed by his neighbors, First thing that he did uh, after he got this house, which was already kind of secluded and, and private in, in its location, was he put up a great big security fence. Oh, and by the way, he paid for that house in cash. It was three hundred sixty-nine thousand dollars that he paid in cash, and he listed on his ap- application for the home um, for the home sale that his occupation was a gambler. Well, and you just don't make that kind of money from no, video po- video poker. <laughs> no way. So what he did was he put up this great big solid mesh privacy screen around the property. It was unsightly, it was ugly, and immediately the neighbors were like, what is this guy doing? He just moved here, we've got this great view, and he puts up this great big uh, privacy screen around the property. So they complained, they kinda had a, you know, their own little homeowners association, and uh, they ordered him to take it down. So the next thing that he did was he had his windows, t- uh, windows tinted almost black, very dark, Um one of the neighbors has gone on record saying that he found the, that Paddock was so unusual that he actually uh, snooped around. Paddock's house kind of would go up there and, and glance in. He said that the house had almost no furniture in it, that it didn't seem like a house that somebody would, was trying to live in. Um, but it was, it, it was kind of a base for him. What we also know is, at least if the FBI, what they're, and the sheriff's department, if what they're telling us is true, is when they went and checked that house after the shooting, they found, uh, of course, there were more guns. They found a, a lot of explosive material, uh, the tannerite, also ammonium nitrate, which is used in terrorist bombings all over the world. It was even, uh, that was used in the Ryder truck that was, uh, part of the, uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Also New York City, there was an explosion
2: that the explosives were linked to.
0: Right. So he's essentially using this mesquite property as like a, you know, a personal armory and and explosives um, storehouse. Well, that same kind of strange behavior has been confirmed by people who knew him in other locations, like in, um, I think it was Melbourne, Florida. Uh, a neighbor there said that, yeah, he, he came in maybe four times or so in a two-year period, had virtually no furnishings in the house. It was just kind of a, a base. He wanted this privacy with some kind of a base. Well, Stephen Paddock, his behaviors there, the explosive material, all this stuff, what I started doing was looking at the uh, rental car records. Someone sent me, someone inside who works for the... Uh, uh, the Phoenix airport and also Las Vegas airport there at the rental car agencies sent me some information, screenshots and stuff I probably shouldn't have of, uh, his rental car history so that I could try and track his, his movements here to see if he was either involved in something like ATF gun running, you know, another operation fast and furious or what, operation wide receiver, something like that, where they're, they're moving AR-15s, stuff like that around. Well, Something very interesting turned up. First of all, back in Las Vegas, we learned that not only had he been there at least prior to September 19th, he was already in Vegas staying at different hotels, had multiple rooms booked, had one at the Delano, had one at uh, Mandalay Bay. Well, on the 19th at 3.05 p.m., his Visa card, we've got the receipt for this, Visa card was used to rent an intermediate-sized vehicle at the Sky Harbor airport in phoenix what he had done was he flew uh, i've even got the the flight information he flew from las vegas while he was checked in in las vegas he flew to phoenix rented a car and then drove it back to las vegas you know that's a that's that's a long drive about a four and a half hour drive it's 297 miles so he got there rented this car and showed back up uh 10 hours later which means that we've got roughly five hours or so unaccounted for where something
1: wait a second you originated this this information because i was i i I was looking who to who to cite on this okay but you verified this
0: i don't know i don't know who put the rental car receipt out uh originally no but i i was the first one to put some of this together about his movements there and and all that. Good, great um, job.
1: Great job. I, I I know now I understand how you fit in because I was doing some research and okay, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just want to clarify that. Go ahead.
0: Well what he did was he he dropped the he got back to Vegas at twelve fifty one in the morning, dropped a, a rental car off. So we've got this time period of about five hours where we don't know what he was doing. But obviously uh if you're gonna fly from Vegas to Phoenix, rent a car and drive back that's because either has something or someone that they don't want or cannot put on a flight back. Uh, whether that would be, uh, the, some of the explosive material that was found in this car in the parking garage at the Mandalay Bay, uh, parking garage or not. I, I don't know. It's just speculation. But the behavior and tracking all of this. Kept me looking, and during the investigation, what I what I did was I started taking his vehicle history, his own personal cars that he had purchased, to see if I could find anything there related to that. And that's when it gets into the links to these people in uh, Caliente and Panaca, Nevada. Uh, back from. There are these people, and I don't know if you guys have ever had anyone on the show that covered any of this. There were a couple of no, people. No, we haven't. Pharmacists in, um, in Caliente, kind of a small place, even smaller than this little town, Tanaka about 15 minutes away. This is where there's a pharmacy owned by a man named Adam Katchke. And he had he had lived for a while in Provo, Utah, um, moved from Provo to this Caliente area and own this pharmacy. He had a woman named Angela Walker who was working as his pharmacy manager. Now, she did have a pharmacy tech license, but she wasn't qualified legally to be an actual pharmacy manager. But what they were doing was they were moving between 2014 and 2000, uh, or late 2016. They were selling massive amounts. I mean, tens of millions of dollars worth of Ketamine product, uh, through this pharmacy. And, uh, ketamine, for those that don't know, it's, uh, street name is special cake. Started out, it's mostly used as an animal, like a veterinarian anesthetic, but it's also used as a date rape drug. Uh, you can take it, you, you can snort it, you can smoke it, there's just all kinds of ways that you can use, uh, ketamine. Well, this pharmacy manager was defrauding the, the US government through Medicaid orders they were out selling this stuff massive amount of this stuff um, At first they were selling it getting the money for it billing Medicaid and getting paid they kind of got in a little trouble for that so they had to get a different source uh, to get all of this ketamine uh, because they're moving it it's you know it's psychologically addictive it's not as physically addictive as other drugs but it's a it's a huge problem. A lot of ketamine was coming in across the, the border being trafficked along with other drugs uh from some of the Mexican cartels. And um anyway, they were taking this ketamine and they were just sending it out to, to people, getting people, uh lots of this drug. So in um two thousand early two thousand seventeen both uh both of these people from the pharmacy ended up getting convicted. They're now felons, they're in prison. But here's the interesting thing: the name Adam Katsky had been in my mind, and I couldn't remember why. And then I remembered the old vehicle records. Uh, Stephen Paddock, when he was still living back in Reno, he he put Adam Katchke on as a co-owner of one of his vehicles. Uh, I think it was a 2007 Xterra. Um, so they're, both their names were on the title of a car and this is despite them being like 7 to 10 hours apart from each other uh, geographically. Both their names were on this. Um, and then there was a second car that Paddock uh, sold to this Kachke fellow and then the original car, that Xterra, they transferred the title to this other woman, Angela Walker, who was the uh, uh, de facto pharmacy manager. So why did Stephen Paddock co-own a car, a vehicle with this guy that ended up going to prison for the the pharmacy fraud so I started looking into this and I actually went to an auto dealership had the guy look at these records with me because I'm no expert on uh, vehicle titles but he said, nope, it doesn't make sense but that's the situation they were Adam Kaczki and Stephen Paddock both had their names on the same title for this car and there was a second car later on, like I said. So Stephen Paddock has some connection to these people that ended up going to prison for the, the ketamine distribution. Um, and so that, that to me, was quite significant. Uh But when you add to that, um, and this is something I'm still working on, in Panaca, in 2016, I think it was, there was a huge bombing that took place. There was a car bomb. There was a man... uh and named Jones who drove a car to a house, called the family and said, get out of the house. The, was the name of the family that lived in the house were the Cluffs. And then he set off this car bomb, and this thing, the debris went up to a mile away. I mean, it was big news. It obliterated the house, damaged other houses. An unusual thing is the next-door neighbor uh, of the Cluffs was... The brother of Adam Katsky. So the uh, guy Jones had previously been fired from uh, from a local hospital system. He had been working there and apparently had some issues with either stealing drugs or doing something with drugs. And so they they fired him and he lost his uh, whatever the license is to to be able to work in the hospital system there. So we've got here Stephen Paddock linked to this ketamine. Distribution operation, or at least to the to the individuals. We've got uh, a, a major bombing that seems to be connected to the catch keys as well in some way. They are in this tiny little town of Panaka where all this is happening. Um, and then we've got Stephen Paddock going to Phoenix and other places in this area, renting cars, moving something around. So Adam, uh, so Stephen Paddock was involved in something. Whether it was drug running or gun running or both, I can't, I can't say for sure yet, but I do have interviews this week, uh, that I'm doing with people who used to be friends with this Kashki family and, uh, their friends. What they've told me already is that. The public, even law enforcement seems to not know the full extent of what these people were, were doing. That It was a major operation that they were involved in some very, very bad stuff well outside of just drug uh, drug sales. So I'm, I'm hoping to get that information and uh, vet it and then produce some videos this coming week on that. And, and you've but,
2: done, a, a, I mean, this is just you know great in-depth work into the background, and this is one of the areas where so little information has come out. You know, usually when we see the mass shootings like this, uh, just take the latest, the Texas church shooting. You have, you know, old high school buddies and f- co workers coming out talking about the character of the person who carried out the attacks. In yeah. this Las Vegas instance, we have ve- just very, very general and vague background info on some of, uh, Paddock's employment records, you know, going back to the post office and whatnot. Aside from his brother, you have nobody coming out saying that they were friends with him, that they knew him, even though he was well established there. You got nobody coming out, uh, you know, saying, except the neighbors saying, you know, they see him come and go here and there. It's just a complete drought of information. And it has been like that. And it's definitely something very odd with this case. And I think you are onto something. Whatever his involvement was, it seems to be tied into some sort of criminal activity and who that, who he was conducting that for. Is still a mystery, and maybe that's why we have so much secrecy surrounding this. Because maybe it was, you know, more of an official capacity than not. But it's uh, it's amazing stuff.
0: That that's the working theory here that 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 I'm looking at is uh, it's just the fingerprints of some intelligence agency or uh, something like the ATF. It's just it's so similar. Everything about Stephen Paddock that I'm seeing matches up perfectly it it's kind of like Stephen Paddock to me is kind of like um Walt from uh Breaking Bad <laughs> he's a guy you know he's a guy that just gets in over his head and uh becomes a big fish and uh gets a little bit out of his own depth and i I think they knocked him off in the end. I think he was used. I think that Stephen Paddock was dirty. I don't think he got his billions of dollars from gambling. I think that he was a type of Barry Seale uh, character who was doing some dirty work for dirty agencies uh, with the U.S. government. Uh, and, those uh,
1: were my exact, based on my own analysis, my exact words. Now, uh, uh, as a licensed uh, investigative agency, we've got that uh, where well, I'm not talking internet databases, you know I'm not talking about the the, the you know uh, what you find on the internet. I'm talking about uh, the databases where you can actually pull down um, histories that uh, are exclusive to law enforcement investigators. And having said that, the reason I mention this is because right after this happened, I did pull down a um, a, a database profile of Paddock, and I I could tell that. Um uh, it was, it was either, it had to be either right after, uh, and I'm talking like as soon as he was identified within minutes, this database and others associated with this because we've got multiple, uh, uh, companies that we use was expunged or, or it was altered. The, uh, the, the dates did not, I mean, the dates sign- uh, suggest that it was altered. So, yeah, it seems like a legend here that maybe needed needed to be tweaked at, to fit a specific narrative. So, but what you said with respect to the vehicle ownership, uh, you know, perhaps I should compare because we've got a, a vehicle ownership going back to, I think, '98, um, or even in the mid '90s. Maybe we should compare some notes here. Maybe whatever yeah. we we have might help you or vice versa but go ahead keep keep going
0: yeah was good. absolutely yeah the, the the one that he uh i just looked it up here he was a registered co-owner of a 2007 nissan xterra se yep with with adam katsky that's that's the one yeah and angela walker uh i think that's the one that she eventually got uh, ownership of um you know it's a huge coincidence i i'm okay with if in the end it were to turn out that this is just a One of those weird cosmic coincidences. So be it. But, you know, we've got this guy, Stephen Paddock, supposedly the, the, you know, greatest mass shooter in U.S. history, who is selling multiple cars, trading titles with people who are now in prison for uh, a, a multi-million dollar drug, illegal drug operation. I don't know. I really, it's more of a conspiracy theory to me to say that these are, there's not something here than to, to say that, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and given that the uh, intelligence community is working so hard to scrub his history, uh, there, there's something to it and they're trying to hide it. And I think that they don't want another operation fast and furious type thing coming out i think that they yep. they really there was a huge black eye and they're going to do anything they need to to keep that from coming out while of course there are multiple other uh, issues going on here lots of different motives uh, i'm not seeing a single thing it seems like there is a number of things going on and i certainly have not uh ruled out at this point the uh, the isis angle and, uh, well, from, and some a, of the others.
1: From, from a tactical point of view, it, it, that's, it, at least that's what I'm, I'm, uh, early on, uh, I had one contact, or two contacts, but one specific contact that said there were some, um, I, I, I want to be clear here, uh, ISIS related uh, documents that were found. Now, I'm not sure whether they were found at the hotel or at, at one of his homes or in his car. I'm not sure where it was found. Uh, but, speaking or addressing the operational tactics of a mass shooting. Now, that's fine. Put that aside for a moment. I'm still unclear as to why would this guy, or what was the motive of him shooting up this, the target? The target selection to me is interesting. And also the Saudi aspect given the fact that the uh four floors up owned uh by the four seasons on you know uh, bin talal or or who is it uh that owned the uh Sal- That's yeah, or Alawite, yeah, they own that. And, and the events in Saudi Arabia right after this. I, I just, I find all of that curious. So, at, at any rate, um, there's a lot here to digest and go through. And, and again, I, I really respect and admire your measured approach to all of this and your, your very increment, uh, very deliberate incremental, uh, uh, dissection of the, of the events and the facts. Uh, please continue.
0: I was gonna say, uh from the very beginning, before I really saw any evidence, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I heard that, um, that that I found very interesting. When I was out there in Las Vegas, I was actually approached. I was at, I was out live streaming. I had just finished up a live stream, had my camera set up. I was out in the parking lot. I had a big casino sign in the background as a as a backdrop. Um, there had been some people in a pickup truck off to the side watching. And when I got done. Uh, they came over and talked with me and told me what's... At first, I just thought it was an outrageously ridiculous story. I didn't believe it, but I uh, I have since come to believe it. They said that they were walking around the area of the Hard Rock Cafe um, there in the intersection where New York, New York, Mandalay, uh, Tropicana, um, all of that is there at that intersection. Excalibur's on the other corner. Well, they were there and they said that they were going through a tunnel in that area. There was a homeless guy who was kind of shifty and said, you know, Hey, come over here. Now I can tell you the man that I was talking to, he looks very much like, he he looks like a stereotypical gun owner. I know that's not, not a fair thing to say, but you know, he looks like ex military. He looks like a kind of guy that would be interested in guns. Put it that way. Well, this homeless guy said, Hey, let me show you something. He had some, he had a black case. He opens up this black case, and in the case are a bunch of different guns, including a uh, a Taurus Judge, which is the gun that Paddock uh, supposedly shot himself with, and some others. He said, hey, I'll give you a good deal on these guns. So the guy I talked to said, well, where would you get these guns? What he said was that uh, the homeless man said, well, it's a crazy story, but I was up the street earlier um, on the day of the Las Vegas shooting. He said that there was a man that had a white vehicle, said the guy looked like a mercenary uh, is how he described it. So he looked like a merc. So this guy was taking these black cases two at a time out of this vehicle going off somewhere, coming back, getting a couple more and then going again. And So this homeless guy looking for a, you know, seeing that the vehicle was unsecured at one point ran up, grabbed one of these black cases and took off. Not knowing yet what was in it but assuming that he could sell something in there or, or use it for himself. And that's when he discovered that there were guns. So I have heard, I, I kind of discounted that at first. I thought, oh, it's an interesting story. I believe the guy telling me, he sounded like, you know, didn't seem like he was lying. But at the time, this was before I had really keyed into the fact that there were operations going on up and down the strip outside of just the uh, Mandalay Bay spot. And um one of the sources that I talked to has given me more information on this. And I have every reason to believe based on the all the different witnesses that have I've spoken there were other people in this operation. And um, Jake,
2: I don't want to cut you off, but we're gonna have to, to have another we're gonna have to have you back on and folks, go to End Times News Report on YouTube. That's End Times News Report, and make sure you subscribe. There are all the videos, and it's uh, great detail, great information. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry, we ran out of time, but we That's look great. forward to having you back. I'm
1: going to, to be in contact with you off air, by the way. All right. Very
2: good. All right. When we come back, Stan Dale will be our guest for our third and final hour on this Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. We are going to be joined by Stan Deo in just a moment. I want to just hit a few pieces of news. I don't know how many people saw the view on, I believe it was Friday, where the uh, Joy Bear celebrated, uh, you know, loud standing up and clapping. The fact that uh, she heard or she she read the ABC report that Trump was going uh, Mueller was going to testify against Trump, bringing down the Trump presidency. Well, that would be Flynn. Flynn, what did I say? Nealer. I'm all over the place today. Anyway, they had to issue an apology and retract what they were celebrating, and it's an interesting piece. You can find that up on up on the Daily Wire. But it's uh, uh, a <laughs> you know odd when you get when you see these people actually coming out and apologizing for reporting or, or misreporting. It wasn't even an apology. And, no, it wasn't. No, it, 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 was, it was an insult to the American public. And they further went on and to say, yes, we want to get Donald Trump. We want to see of him. Of
1: course. Of course. But, but you know, I, I have to ask the question, because we just had Jake Morpheus on. I have to ask the question. I don't believe much happens by accident or coincidence. Um contextualize the Las Vegas mass shooting at that moment in history, is there any connection to what's going on through, in other words, um Fast and Furious happened on, and the exposure of Fast and Furious happened on Obama's watch, of course, that being a subset of the larger Operation Wide Receiver. But all of that said, I i is there any connection, contextual connection to, um, Donald Trump, his presidency, and the mass shooting in Las Vegas. I asked that only – well, I asked it because I want to know. I, I but, but see, and, and here's one more thing, Joe, I, I want to mention. Uh, I mentioned this on my morning show today, and I did play that that audio clip of that video from uh, Joey Behar mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, I believe it was. But, but here's what, what I want to say to the listeners and viewers, all of these investigations, these separate investigations, whether it's about Mueller or, or the uh, Awans or Las Vegas, or you insert the topic here, this takes a lot of time to go through all of this information to to vet it, to categorize it, to, to map it out. And believe me, you've got to map it out. Um, so forgive us if we are not... Uh, you know we we operate five hours of radio per day in radio and, and television uh, for a piece. So a lot of I mean this takes a lot of time. So we're doing our our level best and uh, uh, to, to get all of this information. And, and you don't want you you want news and information about events like Las Vegas. You want it to be accurate. You want it to be timely, but you also want it to be accurate. And this is what we're trying to do. And I just want to extend my my thanks let you know that you know all of this it's very time consuming even more than time sensitive so we're going to have jake back on and uh we're going to be talking with him and working with others as well because this is what we do work with others to assemble the facts and information so we can bring it to you as an investigative original investigative work product go ahead
2: joe and the information is out there it just needs to be found and um we can't let this investigation into what really happened in Las Vegas go until we get the answers that we deserve with that we are going to bring on Mr. Stan Deo. his website is standale.com, click on the show images page on the right hand side of the microphone on his website there you can follow along with everything he's put together to talk about on the show Stan it's great to have you back, I'm told that you have to turn on the your video, that your video is not turned on at the moment
3: oh it wasn't that clever planning
2: well, it's great to have you back. Stan, there's a
3: whole bunch of stuff
2: going on in the news. There we go. It's uh, it's great to see you, as all. Hey, is, you're Stan. not in your pajamas. Joe said
1: you well, were.
3: Well, <laughs> I raced up and got them changed real quick. Hey, uh, how come I'm so pink on your your uh, TV screen? Am well, I pink on yours?
2: Yeah, we, we, yeah. And, and we're pale. It's, yes, Dan, it, I get like five shades paler on video, so... I don't, I don't quite
1: see it, See, I think Eric the Tech has got some uh, nefarious agenda to make us look bad. I'm, I can't prove <laughs> yeah. that, but pro- <laughs> probably...
3: All right, well, I'm not really sunburned. I, I kind of look like normal uh, pale skin, but uh, anyway...
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you, you look fabulous nonetheless. You could be green and you'd still look good compared to hey, us. Hey, thank you. Well, it's, right. great, it's great to have you. Where, where to start?
3: Well, there are a lot of things to to look at here today. Um, I'm just trying to figure out which ones grab me the most. Um, well, image 47 on Pope Francis. If we get to that, um, he's actually saying that the United States needs to be put under a world government. Basically, he's saying that we, um, you know, we're causing trouble by wanting to be kind of reserved from the rest of the world in other words when we try to keep illegal immigrants out we're acting against what he wants the world to do he's named several other countries if you go click on that link um, he's getting after not only us but Russia China North Korea and uh, Russia and Assad in the war in Syria saying that we're all creating migrants that uh, we shouldn't be you know that we're endangering these poor people and uh, you know look I'm I'm for a world government as long as the good Lord you know Yeshua Jesus is running it because he knows how to do that kind of stuff and he's trustworthy he has no agenda but that that doesn't occur right now we don't have him here and so to put the world powers you know in charge of the United States and all the rest of the nations of the world he's not you know kind of high on my agenda I um, I don't agree to that. Um, and so I'm with uh, President Trump and saying, okay, let's put the walls up. Let's, let's screen the people we let in. Um, you know, and, and we're entitled to do that as a nation. So I'm in disagreement with the Pope here, but to, to see him put this in print, uh, wow. It's, it's astounding.
2: Anyway, it's amazing how the Pope continues to interject himself into matters of, Uh, even domestic U.S. politics from, from immigration now to, uh, you know, how we should be, how we should be governed. This one of the most progressive popes, uh, that I can ever remember on the wrong side of everything, uh, including the Bible. And, um, you know, I guess what, what do you expect from somebody who is basically a social justice warrior? And a Jesuit. Yeah. And a Jesuit.
3: They've never liked, the Jesuits have never liked the evangelical Christian movements at all. Their objective uh, worldwide is to bring all these renegade uh, evangelist movements back into the fold at the Vatican. And uh, you know know my position on the Vatican anyway, but uh, this is not what we need to be doing. So, things are... Go ahead, sorry.
2: No, you're right. And uh, while we're talking about religion and and the Vatican, uh, let's jump right into tomorrow, the possibility of Trump naming Jerusalem the the capital of Israel and announcing that the embassy might be moving to Tel Aviv. This is something that we've been talking about with you, Stan, for uh, a number of months since Trump has uh, been inaugurated. And it looks like it might happen. There are just questions as to how it's going to happen. Some are saying that, He's going to sign some kind of mandate, delaying it after announcing it. And others are worried that uh, he's going to announce it tomorrow and you know cause a huge amount of backlash. So, what do you think is going to happen?
3: Well, uh, in slide forty-six, I have a link to a short video made by the mayor of Jerusalem, which is uh, actually making a final plea to President Trump to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Now, whether that will have effect on what uh, President Trump does tomorrow, I don't know. Uh, President Trump can um, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and that in itself will cause a great deal of problem between the Palestinians and the Israelis of the United States, uh, because that would, in fact, give more substance to the Israeli side of the Palestinian conflict and the, and the peaceful resolution of it. Now, as you know, uh, President Trump's son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner, has been over there in the Middle East, all over the place, trying to negotiate uh, a peace settlement between the Arab nations and Israel and Palestine. Now, Palestine can't be a signatory to that, but they've offered them uh, the Palestinians a way to have residence, the residency, in other Arab countries, but not Israel, if they want to move out of there. So, if President Trump says, "Okay, I recognize Israel, uh, sorry, Jerusalem, as the capital of Israel." If he does that, the Palestinians say they're going to instantly throw a monkey wrench in all peace negotiations and the they will step up attacks on various places, I think include the United States forces. So President Trump can announce he's going to move the embassy from Tel Aviv down to Jerusalem and he can get away with that perhaps on a delayed do-it type uh, schedule. But even that, we think, will cause the Palestinians to... You revolt and make a lot of trouble in the Middle East. Um, we still haven't seen the the uh, promoting of Prince Mohammed bin Salman to king, or to virtual ruler of Saudi Arabia and his, his uh, father, the king, stepping aside.
2: I thought they announced that, Stan. I thought they announced that a few weeks ago, that the king was going to step down and his son, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, was going to take over. I thought they announced that in the middle of November.
3: Well, they announced it was supposed to happen last week. It hasn't happened happened yet. Now, um, this is fairly important in studying prophecy over there. Does Prince Ben Salman uh, ratify a a covenant with Israel and the Arab nations around it as a prince or as a king? And the way the transfer of power is being being built, let me just do that for you there, whoops is being built is that uh King Solomon will be the entitled the titular head, the king of Saudi Arabia and the guardian of the two mosques. But his son will rule the country, but not as a full fledged king until uh King Salman dies. So who knows? Uh the whole area over there is a mess. And uh I I would like to see uh Israel uh Unified. Uh, I would like to see that Jerusalem stays an Israeli city instead of a world city, but that's what the United Nations and other uh, people are pushing for, is to make Jerusalem nobody's city, an international city with no part being in Israel. And if that happens, of course, then governing of it and administering who sits on what property is going to be a nightmare, even more so than now. Uh so, I don't know what uh, President Trump's going to do. It's it's between a rock and a hard place. I support the move to Jerusalem of the embassy. And I support the move to make Jerusalem the capital of Israel, but not an international city. You know, taking it out of, of the hands of Israel. That's just, right. that kind of division is just madness. Yeah, and
2: the, the uh, latest on this says tomorrow Trump to declare Jerusalem capital of Israel on Wednesday, according to White House officials. And the president will also sign. A six-month waiver of a 1995 law mandating an embassy move, thereby keeping the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv for the time being as he initiates the process of relocating the embassy, a process that is expected to take years and will include a survey of construction sites and a search for contractors. Until the new embassy in Jerusalem opens, current law requires the president to sign the waiver that maintains the embassy in Tel Aviv. So whether or not uh, it looks like that this is just step one in getting the ball rolling to get the um, the actual embassy moved and that it will be recognized as in Jerusalem, but it would could take years to get the physical building um, erected and opened there in Jerusalem.
3: Right. You know, um, uh, in addition to what I've just said about uh, Jared Kushner and um, Mohammed bin Salman, look at slide 51, um, you'll see a picture of uh, Ben Salman and uh, Kushner uh, and a few others there, uh, including uh, uh, Tillerson, it looks like. But um, if you read the article, click on that and read the article, you scan down a bit here, and they are trying to, I'm just trying to find where they've got funding of 10 billion uh, dollars, tens of billions of dollars, there it is. The major goal of discussions between the pair, that's Kushner and uh, Ben Salman, is uh, as the account suggestion uh, an historic agreement featuring the creation of a Palestinian state or territory backed financially by a number of countries, including Saudi Arabia, which could put tens of billions of dollars toward the effort. Now, the first part of that that, uh, paragraph there it's featuring the creation of a Palestinian state or territory. So maybe if it could be a territory instead of a state, that would limit its uh, attempts to divide Israel any further. I don't know. But, you know, Kushner is not making public uh, what he's doing over there on the Peace Treaty. And, of course, President Trump now making decisions tomorrow and announcing them that will probably aggravate this treaty or this agreement uh, with the palestinians and the arab nations and israel it'll aggravate that to the point that it collapses so apparently what president trump is doing is going to to, uh, stalemate what uh, jared kushner and mbs are trying to do over there so i don't know where it's going to go but it's going to be a very interesting week
2: yeah uh, on the right hand side of that report about kushner and um uh, ben solomon discussing a saudi-funded palestinian state there are other articles um that that talk about the um the, as you said the plans uh, of other people and they're trying to to make sure that that doesn't happen and what that would look like and do to the region um and as you said one of the last times you were on maybe two or three times before that about the um the military alliance that saudi arabia is setting up and we see this continuing uh you know tension between iran and saudi arabia and what has happened in yemen as a former uh prime minister was assassinated and that region seems to be destabilizing do you know understand that military alliance that you talked about if there was a conflict between saudi arabia and iran that 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 military alliance would be mobilized
3: they've already done test mobilizations with 34 of the nations, uh, gathering troops and armaments together and having exercises earlier this year. So yeah, I do think that it will mobilize against the Iranians who are, are Shiite based, uh, versus the Sunni based, uh, and Oabi based uh, Saudis. So yeah, this is a real clear and present danger to Iran. Uh, I think Jordan would probably side at this point with Iran. Um, but I wouldn't swear to it uh, the Jordanians are still having an argument with Israel over uh, a big water project uh, in fact that's that's an interesting thing let me just click on that and see which thing that is that would be yeah go up to slide 56 at the top and you'll okay. see see if I can get down to those pictures there too uh, yeah, it's taking a while to load. Uh, if you go to the... Uh, i tell you what, if you just... The, the, the text under that picture will take you to the main website where the story is, but it takes a while for it to load in. So while you're doing that to read the article, I'm going to click on the...
2: Yes, come on, let me have the computer. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm looking at the, the maps then.
3: That's uh, where I was going with so the map. I see it on your screen now. Well, what this project... Uh, if you... Uh, Is that the icon Or the picture I've got The picture Okay I need to get that up here on mine So I'm trying to get to do it Come on
2: Ah. Well it says This is the proposed Red Sea Dead Sea pipeline And uh, Is this an oil pipeline
3: salt water pop pipeline from down there at the lower left of your screen, you see where it says Aqaba. That's at the tail end of the Gulf of Aqaba, which springs off of the uh, the Red Sea. It's salty water, right? So the Israelis are building a, a joint project with Jordan, um, and there's argument now between Jordan and the Israelis about you know uh, where the water goes, how much goes to which side, and what is happening, the Israelis are building a desalinization plant at Aqaba. Because the Israelis are very advanced in desalinating seawater, so they're going to desalinate you know millions of gallons of water. And uh, when they do that, the fresh water you'll see at the top, the light blue uh, arrow goes to Jordan, to Imam, giving them so many million cubic uh, you know feet of fresh water per year. The dark blue area arrow at the top there is salt water going into the Dead Sea. Now, crazy as it may sound, what the Israelis and the Jordanians want to do is they want to pump the Dead Sea back up because it's been losing about oh, 3.3 feet of shoreline a year now. It's, it's evaporating and it's getting very concentrated. And pretty soon even the, the, the guests of Israel can walk on water there at the Dead Sea because it'll be so salty. They will, they'll, they'll float on their feet. But that's one of the reasons that this pipeline's been set up is to keep the Dead Sea uh, full of you know the salty water. And the process that the Israelis are using is probably an osmotic process as I recall because uh, the process generates a lot of very concentrated brine or salt water which goes into the Dead Sea where it also produces fresh water to go to the right to Imam. Now the article that uh, that you get to when you press the text link does
2: oh gosh it's um it's jordan it's titled jordan israel agree 900 million dollar red dead sea project
3: yeah when i clicked on it i got into some kind of an article about how the browser did that uh, on weapons and things but yeah that 900 million dollar uh, project uh if you go down the article uh, it says it'll take them three years to complete now, it started in 2015 so it should be completed next year i think but um um what I don't understand is if you go down to about the fourth or fifth paragraph, it says the desalinization plant, go down a bit. There you go. There you go. The desalinization plant, uh, will produce at least 80 million cubic meters annually. Israel will buy at a cost up to 40 million cubic meters. Now, does that mean that they're getting, uh, fresh water, uh, 40 million cubic meters or is that the salt water and the rest of it goes over to, um, uh, the Aqaba plant, which goes to, you know, I guess to uh, uh, Amman. Now, they said in the next paragraph, the pipeline will pump 300 million cubic meters annually of Red Sea water to the Dead Sea. Um, so there must be another arrow they didn't put on the map showing that Israel will get 40 million cubic meters of fresh water, and they'll dump um, X known amount. um of salt water into the, the Dead Sea there, but, um, anyway, there's a, this, it's not clear in the articles you can see, and it kind of puzzled me, but, uh, it does tell you about the recession of the, uh, uh, okay, wait a minute. Under the agreement, Nasser said Israel would also release 50 million cubic meters more water from the Sea of Galilee, its largest reservoir to Jordan. That's right. I remember that. Uh, we the Sea of, of, of uh, Galilee is, you know, here and Israel, I'm trying to make it for you look at the map, Sea of, Sea of Galilee and Israel's down here. Well, the Sea of Galilee shares, right up on the upper northeast corner, it shares a border with Jordan. And for years, the Jordanians and the Israelis have had a, a, uh, an agreement so that a certain amount of the fresh water coming out of, uh, you know, various uh, resources up in the uh, Golan Heights, that area, the, the, the rainfall stuff. That, that, a certain amount of it can go into the Galilee or into the freshwater feeds for Israel, and the rest of it goes to northern Jordan. So this agreement even covers that. Um, and water in the Middle East is, is growing to be more precious than gold or oil. So this is a very important situation between Jordan and Israel. Now, the, the, The Israelis are really wanting to pull out of the deal if the Jordanians don't reopen the Israeli embassy there in in Jordan after, you know, um, a time with with prosecuting the guards so that the the assassination of that young soldier occur over there. Anyway, it's a political effort and it's just adding to the conflict in the Middle East. Not good.
2: Not good at all. No, not good at all. And it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what if, uh you know, how this unfolds over there. Uh I've asked several people that we've had on as guests and otherwise and uh, asked them about the inevitability of, of the potential for war, and many agree that it's just a matter of if, not when. Same thing with North Korea and the United States. They believe that will end in military conflict, but what's happening in the Middle East seems like it could happen at a much faster rate. Now, there are questions, Stan, and I think we talked about this uh one of the last times you were on but the anti-corruption sweeps in saudi arabia it since come out that blackwater mercenaries are um torturing some of the saudi princes and trying to extract information have you have you heard about that and if so what do you what do you make of that what are they getting at
3: well i i have heard of it read several articles on it and uh some of them were for the uh were from arab uh news centers which i kind of so so treat as true but um it wouldn't surprise me because uh, Blackwater does have experienced interrogators in the region, and uh, MBS could certainly afford them. Um, and as part of the joint cooperation with the United States uh, over a number of issues, I think that uh, you know they would allow Blackwater to supply the interrogators. I mean, young Prince Benzalman, Salman, uh, MBS, has gain, I think, $50 billion from assets taken from these people who were part of the corruption, or who admitted to being part of the corruption through the interrogation. They've, in total, they've paid $50 billion to get released. Now, there's still more prisoners there being interrogated, and uh, this might be to give them information on any treasonous, uh, uh, Arabic treasonous uh, acts they performed against maybe uh, Saudi Arabia in conjunction with Iran, you know, if they were traitors, if they were pro-Shiite, uh, they had anything to do with uh, terrorist cells. Um, there are just a number of these things that could be being released by the uh, the Blackboard interrogation. Not that we'll hear much of it, but um, yeah, I do think it's possible and probably did happen, so, and is happening.
2: Consolidation of power, weeding out anybody who could be in opposition to to, uh, Ben Solomon as well as taking away the resources that they would use to try to, you know, uh, come against him. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to watch to see... Uh, how this is happening and to confiscate the wealth, I guess, is a, if you're him, it's pretty, it's a pretty smart move. I just wonder how that will affect, I think, uh, who is it, the Al, Al wahid and all his, in all his holdings in different U.S. companies, including Fox News, how that will be affected. And I wonder, are, you know, do you think these resources are going to be applied to the uh, building the new cities that you talked about or to, um, just to keep it out of the hands of those who could oppose him?
3: I think it will contribute to a number of plans that uh, young MBS has, um, and certainly amongst them will be gaining more resources to to fuel his new uh, Saudi economy You know, for Operation 2030. And that uh, city, Neom, of course, is one of the big uh, budget deals, and I don't see that he's going to raise $500 billion to build that by himself. So it's going to be an effort that will uh, entertain investment from corporations and countries, I think. So at 50 billion, uh, I don't know whether he will, if he gets any interest in Fox News, whether it will start affecting the the tone of Fox News. Um, I guess if the news readers come on wearing the the mm-hmm. little, uh, you know, veils and whatever, whatever they call them on the, the Arab heads, uh, then we can assume that Fox News is done. <laughs> but, uh, I'd hate to see that. Gosh. Um, there was another little thing I found in Nostradamus the other day, which I'm trying to pin, been trying to fit into the Mohammed bin Salman or the uh, General Soleimani thing in Iran situation. Which one them um, would do this if either wearing a a blue fez? Fez. It's like that Egyptian cap or Turkish cap that the uh, Muslims used to wear about 100 years ago. Um, it says the Antichrist will come in a blue fez if you interpret that particular quatrain that way. Uh, so I've been watching to see if, uh, MBS, when he gains more power, does wear some kind of a blue headdress or fez or hat or whatever that sets him apart. Or if General Qasem Soleimani does the same thing. But uh, he seems to be a, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen any signs of that over in uh, uh, Soleimani's uh, territory. Uh, and I think MBS is vain enough that he would want to set himself apart and look different and unique, you know. Um, so he could do that. Just another little factor that I have put into my uh, website about the Antichrist profiles. I don't see the Pope wearing a blue fez either, but, uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I, it, it troubles me that uh, President Obama's been visiting these countries that uh, President Trump has visited. He's kind of, Following him around the joint, telling yeah. him what a bad guy is, you he, know that just astounds me.
2: He's been doing this for the last ten months, whether it is the trip to the Middle East or his trips to asia um it is almost like a, a week to two weeks after sure enough Obama is there meeting with some of the same people and world leaders as uh Trump did almost yeah. like he's undermining, trying to undermine trump
3: you know i'd have to I'd have to think that's treasonous I really would <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. You know. oh, that's crazy. Hmm. Um. climate, climate change. Yep. Interesting point. Oh, actually while we're talking about Saudi Arabia, let's go to slide 48. Okay. Uh, this is bound to make somebody mad. Alright, well let's do it. Yeah, pull it up.
2: Okay, the Saudi Arabia, uh, cave writings.
3: Before Islam, when saudi arabia was a jewish kingdom now just read that headline (laughs) blood's got to boil in the arab (laughs) nations i gotta tell
2: you yeah before islam and saudi arabia was a jewish kingdom okay
3: now what that if you think about it um in the time of uh well of moses in the exodus they didn't sit in one spot there in um uh, Southwestern uh, Saudi Arabia for the whole forty years. I'm sure they moved around a bit, and portions of the tribes, you know, moved and came back or traveled and traded with the rest of Saudi Arabia. So, as time progressed and Israel occupied uh, the uh, uh, land of Canaan and made it Israel under Joshua, when King Solomon was born and started to organize things, it's perfectly natural to me that since he was sending uh, um, what do you call them? Uh, caravans and ships out to get gold and other trade products that he would have been active in Saudi Arabia. Now the archaeological, uh, official archaeological analysis of Saudi Arabia that period says that, well, I couldn't have been, uh, part of the Sulawak uh, Kingdom because, uh, the, the crime was so rampant. Uh, there were gangs and criminals and, you know, disease was rampant in Saudi Arabia or all of Arabia, the peninsula there. And so it couldn't possibly have been part of the Solomonic kingdom. But if you look into the uh, Arab literature of Arabia, which um, Lawrence of Arabia did when he was there on the ground, uh, you find that a lot of their legends about the, the the magic and the power of King Solomon came from that era. Uh, and they attribute it to King Solomon of Israel and some to uh, Shalman uh, Esser, the first uh, founder of Asher. But either way, the Solomon influence in the Arab literature is evident, which means that his influence, his kingdom, had strong influence down in Arabia. So I think this article can be given, you know, a couple of marks for yes. I think that's true.
2: Well, that, go, that goes back to what you said, Stan, about uh, you know the origins of, of Saudi Arabia and, and the history there, and you know your your um, research into where the Garden of Eden was and, and and Atlantis speaks to a much more rich history in Saudi Arabia than maybe uh, historians are willing to give credit for. So that's uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting indeed. And I want to ask the, you, uh, it, about, did you see the news recently uh, about the Roman artifacts found in what was uh, said to be the tomb uh, where Jesus resurrected from?
3: No, I might have missed that. What did it say?
2: This was maybe about a week ago, and I will find the article right now, but there were Roman artifacts from the first century excavated from that tomb, uh, putting the actual tomb in the first century under Roman control, where this w- is the site that is celebrated as where Jesus' was, was uh, body was laid and then where he resurrected from. But the Roman artifacts that were found verified the... Which this tomb was being used, and it led uh, many to think to, to say that this even further substantiates the fact that uh, this is the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest.
3: Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know.
2: Yeah, it that's was interesting.
3: It. Yeah, yeah. And they're uh, still
2: they're still excava- excavating there as well. So, but, maybe but watch them
1: find some artifact that would that would prove you know the oh um, what would it be the bloodline theory Uh, you know
3: something like that yeah you know I I just uh, as we were talking about the uh, Garden of Eden in in addition to this uh, you'll notice that down where Yemen is on the you're looking at Saudi Arabia it would be down here in this corner uh, at the end of the Red Sea in Yemen there is a little um, volcanic island that's connected to it that has a town in it and uh this region is, uh, according to Arabic legend, where um, uh, I think Adam may have been buried and uh, maybe Cain. Uh, but they call that area of the of the, uh, the seaport there the Gulf of Aden, which is uh, Arab, uh, Hebrew and Arabic for Eden. So they call that the Gulf of Eden. Now that adds further. Support to by analysis and location of the Garden of Eden up in Tanzania inside the Angoro crater because I've found the huge water I mean gazillions of gallons of water flow from that uh, crater uh, which came up out of the land of Eden around it and shot up in the air and then fell off the side of the volcanic uh, volcanic part of the the Eden garden and raced a lot of it raced downhill through the um, great East African rift. Through the um, Danical plains and then uh, formed uh, a split there at Yemen. So for them for ancient times to call that the Gulf of Aden and to claim that they've got buried bodies of Adam and Cain uh, there in, the, in the, uh, the the crater, makes me think that I am absolutely correct about the Garden of Eden and the location of it. There are just so many things that keep adding up to this, and it's a natural migration path you know, in the old days. To go from northeast Africa straight into Yemen, and to for humankind to, you know, from the the Garden of Eden time to migrate into Arabia, where they would be mixed with the fallen ones of Genesis six, and the hybrid beings would come out of it, the hybrid animals and stuff, which were anathema to God. It's all in that area. There's just no question about it.
2: That's that's pretty neat, Stan, and I love. To see, you know, biblical uh, stories and accounts and insights sites, uh, you know, verified with current archaeology and 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 studying, and um, it's great when we get to to see uh, things like this be able to be verified. And when you're when you find more evidence to support the theories that you've put together as to where these things are, and you talk about such a an area with <laughs> basically all the history of the world, such a rich history. It's very exciting to be able to, to look at some of these investigations.
3: Yeah, I'm talking to one of our friends over there in, uh, Arusha, Tanzania, which is about 68 miles off the rim of, uh, the Garden of Eden there at Ngoro. And, uh, I've asked him to check and see if we can get some sample, you know, dirt, uh, from the Eden and uh, from, um, like some of the, the, uh, natural gemstones that occur there, like, uh, rubies, you can get little tiny rubies and stuff from them, and some of the tanzanite uh, which is a blue stone it, it's given me an idea to, to maybe make some kind of a necklace pendant or something for people to wear part of the Garden of Eden and the Eden complex on a gemstone or on a piece of jewelry. We're working on it, I've talked with uh, one of your listeners about it that, you know, they make jewelry and to see if we can get that going so we can actually have a piece of the region to wear, uh, you know, and show people It's part of a witness tool. Okay. Very interesting.
1: Speaking of merchandise, mm. uh, your EMP uh, oh, yeah. prevention—how's
3: uh, that going? Actually, we're trying to slow down orders for just a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, we're going to catch up uh, with the orders we've gotten now by the weekend. They tell me I was having a conference call with the, the staff this morning, and um, by you know, if if we can kind of. Limit orders to maybe you know a few hundred a day or something like that. That'd be good. Um, we do expect to be able to make and and ship out about two thousand units a week starting the last week of January coming up. Uh, it just takes a lot of time to to uh, take the building we've leased, put in all the uh, things that we need to uh, uh, pack and make. Oh, goodness, yeah. yeah. Will you? Yeah. That's not you. That's me. I think that's big. Yeah, I know oh, that's you. Uh, yeah. Somebody from Hawaii calling in. Anyway, um, the, uh, the product is doing extremely well. We've had it out in the field now then for about a week. Uh, people are giving us feedback on it. Uh, and there's so many more things we want to do with this, but uh, this will be our start. And so if your listeners are going to order and using your code and stuff, it's okay. Um, I would hope that if we get too many of them, we'll put the brakes on, you can tell them to slow down for a while, (laughs) because we don't want them waiting six weeks to get a product. So,
2: That's a a good
1: problem to have, Steve. It
3: Uh, it is. It's it's
1: good to to know. It's good to know, Uh, and and we appreciate the the transparency and the honesty about that. Um, But but that should tell you that people are
3: taking this seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, we've had... um, We've had people that want to resell it in their stores and stuff, you know, 500 units at a time they want to order. And, you know, I've said, look, can you just wait to to January sometime when we can actually deliver the product to you? It's uh, We've become order takers rather than salesmen of the product. It sells itself. Well,
1: maybe we can get you some slave labor. Can we call like Cuomo or (laughs) uh,
3: who do we call for that? So. We need qualified labor. You know, we're they, they've been uh, interviewing a number of people to work on our assembly lines and stuff, these all have to be you know high class electronic people. So,
2: any H one B visas?
1: There you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry about the uh, crass <laughs> jokes like that, but but no, guys. <laughs> this this is a no folks, it's a quality product, and uh, um, hey. You know, if anyone has any uh, questions about what to give me for Christmas, that that'd be cool. Uh huh. So, so like well, life hard. Yeah. For did stand. you?
3: Did, did a couple of parcels arrive on your doorstep?
2: Yes, thank you so much. We're
1: going to yes, say that
3: lovely, lovely stuff, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I just tried it today, and I only had like one bite, but it definitely it was delicious. I can't wait oh, to yeah. sit down.
3: Uh, here I am in my workstation here, and. There's my bottle or box of goodies that Holly got me. It's wonderful. I have to keep it on a ration so I don't run out.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just fabulous. Thank you so very much. Yeah, we're uh, not trying to give a commercial for it, but uh, I wow. just thought you'd enjoy that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 incredible. It really is. It's
3: not an EMP. It's not an EMP shield for your house. Anything, but uh, uh, it's, it's it's better comforting. than that.
1: Yeah, it's comforting. <laughs> That's right.
3: Um, so... When all the things, all the power goes off, and the world is dying, you can have your piece of candy there. That that's toffee. right. That's, just, that's brilliant toffee. I've never eaten anything like it. You anyway, get that right. Yeah. Back to real stuff. Uh, the uh, image 45 is interesting uh, in that they have um, found an uh, ancient forbidden Christian text of Jesus's secret teaching to his brother. James and um, I've
2: read the Yeah,
3: did you? Did you?
2: Yeah, uh, I forget was well, it is, earlier this week or last week? Um, okay, this is yesterday.
3: That. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. They've been digging up stuff, you know, for a while there, and analyzing stuff that they dug up and hadn't uh, deciphered yet. But uh, I don't know how whether we could trust the book as you know. I don't needing to belong.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. This was uh apparently it's it's classic Gnosticism, and it's from
3: the Nag Hammadi Library, which is it tells you right there it's probably a problem. Yeah, but it was worth mentioning because they did discover it and they were talking about it. So at least we know what they're trying to fool us with. It's Definitely, you know, secret, teachings, secret teachings, Gnosticism, as you say. It, it, it's almost cult-like uh, it was back then, and that's why they didn't put it in the Bible originally, I think. But, um, yeah. Uh, another nasty guy in Jordan, talking about Jordan, slide 50, uh, we have the uh, Jordanian imam saying, only the sword will resolve the struggle with the Zionists. Now, this is in Jordan. So, he's stirring up bad feelings here against Israel, and I don't know uh, how that mixes with the members of the bin Salman uh, Arabic Union I uh, I'll have to look here and see if I can just pull up that uh, chart of the Arabic Union I just took it down actually so it's probably here in my records right in front of me or somewhere anyway it tells which members or which Arab states are members of the uh, alliance which is something we do need to kind of hear it is I see it here it's coming up here. Okay, in the list they have in that um, uh, military power, MBS does list Jordan, uh, about number eight on the list uh, that I had up there. And uh, they have uh, pledged a $1.3 billion defense budget, 110,000, nearly 111,000 soldiers, uh, 65,000 reserves, 250 tanks. And if you look at how many tanks they have, they got forty. Sorry, they got 21,000. so this is maybe 10% of the tank uh, you know supplies that MBS has that in the Union is being supplied by Jordan. and they're having this big argument with Israel at the moment. So maybe Jordan will get over it and do what MBS wants to do and make a peace treaty with Israel. I don't know. but yeah, th- th- that is uh, a good uh, thing to look at to see where Jordan stands this whole thing. But stirring up war against Israel over that is, it's just stupid. It, it, it's against the United Arab policies they're trying to form under, under MBS and its union. You see, with Pakistan being a member of that union under MBS, uh, the union, or particularly Saudi Arabia, has access to nuclear weapons from Pakistan. Um, they don't, we don't have to wait for them to build their own reactors in Saudi Arabia. You byproduct fuels for bombs They can just trade it out with Pakistan Or have Pakistan deliver the warheads So, you know, Iran is um, I'm pretty sure they're they are at the doorstep Of nuclear weapons themselves So we're uh, fast approaching crunch time The red line Where somebody's got to bomb Iran Or stop them Otherwise they're going to bomb the Middle East All over the place with their weapons So you can see why the Arabic Union With Pakistan is a serious threat to Iran And, of course stability in the region
2: and we see the same argument with north korea you know should we launch a preeminent strike against north korea before they inevitably you know take out uh targets in south korea or surrounding countries from japan to parts in the u.s and you got you know both sides of the coin that say yes you should and no you shouldn't and and with their arguments and reasons why and it's a it's a really a tough call and Iran, Iran too, they're much more secretive about their nuclear program. And I do believe that they're probably more advanced than North Korea, but I have no, no facts to base that on. That's just what I believe, I guess, based on my own observations. But, um, you know, you, you, you carry out a preemptive strike like that on, on North Korea and, or Iran, and you're going to be, uh, really taken to task, not only by the citizens of this country, but by the world. For you know this hyper aggression that the United United States is always um, blamed for.
3: All right, it, uh, with Iran, what do, would you relate uh, rate their relationship with Russia? Really solid. I would enemies? say uh, they're they allies. Okay. Wait. so if if they're allies, and Russia is a nuclear power with a lot of nukes, couldn't Iran just tap into that if they need to? You would think. Okay. So the bombing, the bombing Iran and some of their supplies may give you a temporary halt uh, to their threat, but it would only be weeks or months before they could get nuclear arms from Russia and go at it again. Yeah. So there's no easy answer to this. There's just no easy answer. <laughs> yeah,
2: but no, uh, we know what you're saying, point, and, and look. it looks like... Uh, that these these uh, issues between nations, these geopolitical issues, seem to only have one uh, uh, solution, and that is war. It seems that uh, it's inevitable that war is going to have to determine, uh, you know, the winners and losers of this battle. And nobody wants that, but, you know, what, what do you do with a nation like North Korea, uh, you know, who's constantly breaking international laws and putting other people, millions of people, at risk with what they're doing uh, yet, at the same time, they are isolated. It is a defense mechanism they have not uh attacked anybody in over fifty six years, so it is just words at this point until the time when it, when it 's not words and then it 's
3: too late but it 's a tough call i mean it 's a tough situation yeah it is what does North Korea have in trade or that we would need to you know shut it down i mean that that we wouldn 't want to shut it down. is there anything really uh that we would lose financially uh, by by North Korea just dropping in a hole by itself. Uh
2: slave labor! But I'm not sure that that benefits any companies in the United States. No, no. I, I, no uh, I realistically, I'd like to see the people liberated by having the leadership, the oppressive leadership and form of government taken out. But I'm not sure that that they would even know what what to do if they were liberated. But ultimately, I think that would be the best case
3: scenario it would be for them and for the world for peace in that region but I really think the major threat to all the nations of the planet is over in the Middle East for oil and uh, water supplies things like that um, uh, North Korea doesn't have a lot of resources that the rest of the world needs they're just kind of a, a, an orphan over in that area after the Korean War uh, was settled now China's kind of sitting on the side maybe stoking the fire in North Korea but I think that the whole North Korean thing may be a red herring uh, to take our eyes off of the Middle East and and sending what armaments and ships we need over there to be ready for that conflict. They may both go, I don't know, but uh, I do think that the the more serious threat is the Middle East, and, uh, of course, that's Palestine and Israel at the center of all that, and the disagreement between MBS, uh, Sunnis, and uh, Soleimani's uh, uh Shiite, you know, regime over there. Mm. Dinner was good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Stan, there's an interesting headline you have on -hmm. on your show images page. DNA reveals the Yeti is actually a bunch of bears. Interesting. Is this saying that there is no Yeti, that all the uh, evidence from footprints to hair to maybe distant sightings are all... uh, from bears?
3: They limited their report. A uh, the scientific team decided to get to the bottom of this in the Himalayas, where it all came from. And they collected uh, a tooth sample from one, you know, and, and did a DNA test on that, numerous hair samples and some scat uh, from, um, you know, holy sites around the Himalayas, there where somebody had it stuck up in a wall in a, uh, you know, some little tiny building inside of a mountain. And it was a, a religious artifact, you know, the hair of the Yeti. And they tested all these things and uh, came up with all of them being that Himalayan, I it's a brown bear. Now that doesn't explain the the, the beings like that that they see in the, the east coast in New South Wales and Australia or the beings that we see reported here in Washington State some of the wooded areas in the northwest or other countries that claim to have a Yeti. So until, I guess, tests are done and actually find... Uh, Yeti hair and scat and things that, uh, there'll still be that mystery as to is there a, you know, a Yeti type individual or individuals on the planet. But still, I thought I'd bring that to the forefront to show at least the, the Himalayan issue is uh, pretty much put to bed. They're brown bears, uh, uh, Himalayan brown bears. Sad to say, but that's, that takes some of the mystery out of it. I
2: guess so, but, uh, yeah, I still, um, uh, you know, you ever see the? Uh, I think it was, there was a police department who put out a who who was feeding the the Bigfoot and Yeti conspiracy. Who put out a? There was a. I think it was in Georgia. Put out a picture, an older picture, saying one of their deputies took the picture. And then you have these shows on TV, which I find really funny. You know, the hunt for Bigfoot, and it's you know season after season of ten to fifteen episodes of of them always just like right on the the cusp of finding or photographing Bigfoot, never to be found. um... But you know we can still hope that they're out there. But more lot more likely than not, they're probably bears. They're probably no, no. This is gonna no. This is
1: gonna go a long way to one of my more uh, highly profiled detractors saying that I. I uh, um, you hunted I, for I, Bigfoot, I, haven't you? Yeah, I, I hunted for Bigfoot. Something to that something effect. With, with yeah. Your
2: PI equipment. Out yeah, the woods. yeah. That's
1: what I. That's what I've done. <laughs> okay, so, so some moron out there. Uh, but I digress. All right.
3: <laughs> did he say you done that? Did he?
1: It is a she, and and, and she's struggling for relevance. And yeah, something, uh, I, I yeah uh, that that I somehow was looking for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I, I I don't recall the exact phrase, but it was just it was so moronic I I couldn't even respond to it. But
3: I can't anyway. believe you you'd be that bored to go after that. But yeah, I got the time.
1: I, I got the time. I, I yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Look at slide fifty five. We got it. We're running close to our deadline here. Slide 55 is um, uh, Holly's photo of the day on our main website, standaleo.com. You can click and, and uh, see that there. Um, but it's interesting in that these prophecies are coming from a number of uh, Christian sources and dreams and visions they've had um, about four events coming to America. The back-to-back hurricanes. We've had that. Tremendous earthquakes, the first striking the Pacific Northwest, followed immediately by the big one hitting California. That hasn't happened yet, but uh, that's what they've seen. And then a massive uh, tsunami hits the East Coast, inundating New York, and last, most disturbingly, an invasion of America and war coming to our land. Now, um, Dimitru Dudeman said that a long time ago, that the Lord showed him that there was going to be an invasion here of the United States. And from what he uh, said... I saw that it was mainly like Russians and possibly Chinese involved in that. But uh, it is worth going and reading the the link I put there on that page, or you can get it on our website live if you go to the image of the day, uh, photo of the day, whatever it's called now. Uh, but um, it is kind of interesting that uh, we're seeing little, when I say little, maybe 4.5 earthquakes up in the north part of the Juan de Fuca plate this week. And more activity along the New Madrid fault, and even in the um, oh, the in the Tennessee, Tennessee mountains. I forget what we're, what they're called. Um, what, what are the mountains of Tennessee called, guys? Do you remember? Appalachian. I thought it might be Smoky Mountains. Smokey no. Mountains. Smoky right. Mountains. All right. Smoky has been having a few small quakes, so we're we're starting to see some increased activity, in my opinion, on the fault lines that we know are seismic prone, and they're on the edge and west of the Craton of the United States, which is a stable part of the United States. Uh, those of us who are um, unfortunate enough to live outside the Craton stable region, at the blue region I had up on the website, are going to expect earthquakes. Um, and even here in Colorado, I mean, we've had them south of us for some time, but we've now had one that was west of us. So, um, a lot of us are going to see a shake up, and I said to Holly, don't worry because the big one hitting California, well, it'll just be the mountains we live by. <laughs> she said that's good because she likes to see so wow, uh, wow. I, i'm being I, I'm being flippant, but these things are definitely judgments coming uh, yes, and uh, that east coast that East Coast tsunami could very well be something happening over the Canaries with uh, the the uh, Cumbre de Vieja uh, volcano there.
1: We've been talking
2: about that or we're
1: looking yeah, at that for a long it. time. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Is this the, is that the one uh, that's
2: erupting right now? Um, I don't know. There's one in oh, the uh, Asian Pacific the, that is uh, erupting. Yeah.
3: yeah, they've got people who get down there as quick as they can. If you see the videos of the plume coming out of that, yeah. you would run too. It's been going it's on great. for
2: days. they got some live cams that, uh, folks, you can watch to see the progression of that. Mm.
3: We've also got some quakes in an interesting part of North Island, New Zealand, too, to the west of Lake Taupo, which will erupt at some point in the future, I'm pretty sure. So so is their uh, USGS version, the GNS down there. Mm. Oh. oh, boy. Are well, you Ain't taking us to the end? End? Yeah. Are we? Yeah, okay.
1: We're yeah. at the end. So Stan, we want to thank you for everything, um, for being part of the program and, and you, you're, you're such a valuable asset, information, just incredible stuff. You're on top of everything from the earth changes to space weather to, um, geopolitics. And we, we love spending the time with you. And of course, you and Holly.
3: Well, don't, don't forget Bigfoot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Guys, it's great to be with you again. Okay, well Lord willing, Lord willing, we'll see you next week okay?
1: it, it, Let's let's make it a date, obviously uh, and, and, and folks, Standale, Dare to Prepare Look, Christmas is coming You've got a multitude of Christmas options from Standale.com uh, Dare to Prepare, uh, the lecture series from Standale uh, Cosmic Conspiracy I mean, you've got all sorts of options And don't forget about the EMP device uh, the impede protective device as well. Just go to hagmanreport.com and click on the link there. Stan, thank you so very much. And, and God bless you and, you and Holly and the, the l- little ones as well.
3: You bet. God bless right. you. Night, night, night. Good
1: night. That'll do it for us tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for, uh, your belief and trust in us and your support of our endeavors. Uh, we want to thank, uh, Jake Bifornius. Thank you so much for, End times news report yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great, it was a great hour that that we spent together. Until tomorrow. God bless.